Steph. And you are listening to The Thirst. This is our um, fourth episode. Episode four, A New Hope. Yes. <laughs> That's a Star Wars reference. I'm supposed to Sorry, respond. I knew it was, but I just, I wasn't really, yeah, I wasn't prepared for it. Great start there. A New Hope. Good, fine. Um, this is our podcast about pop culture. We talk about TV. Films. Uh, books. Music. Music. Podcasts. Um, anything pop culture-y. Um, you can find us online. We're on Twitter at The Thirst. Uh, soundcloud.com forward slash thirstpod itunes you can search for us at the thirst we have instagram as well it's at the thirst pod and if you're feeling like you particularly want to correspond with us on a more traditional way you april can... will give you her address i'll give you my personal address notes and um, the thirst pod at gmail.com um so you can send us feedback and questions there i assume you've got all of these written down otherwise i just don't know how you remember them so well it's like a mantra I say every okay. night before like when you meditate. Bed, before meditating, okay, before so I can remember yeah. where we live. Um, Sorted. Thanks to everyone that's downloaded the first three episodes. Um, we've got some reviews on iTunes as well. Thank you for leaving those. Um, if Fantastic. you want to leave an iTunes review, then please do. We greatly appreciate it. Um, thanks for if you've told your friends about us. Don't know who's done that, but thanks. If I'm you have. sure they have. Everyone's been talking about has. it constantly. Just constant chatter. Um, if you've subscribed or if you've given us any um, useful feedback, um, hopefully the sound issues will have been um, been ironed out ironed out it's a learning curve total learning curve we now know we're not professional we're not profesh but we know now know how to actively use our microphones properly sort of i mean we yeah for the most part for the most part we we appear to be the same microphone level this time yeah that's a good thing that's you know nothing like a fourth time tech trying yeah some good tech tech chat there (laughs) thanks Um, for the tech chat we'll keep doing uh, a threaded tweet Mm -hmm. and um links kind of sharing thing on twitter i did that for the first uh two episodes i think and you can also find a list of everything that we mention article wise and stuff on our tumblr page as well we've now got a blog and the address for that is the thirstpod.tumblr.com so didn't even know we had a tumblr so so i've been out of the picture i just i don't even I've just been off the record for about three weeks. Well, so. Yeah, I mean, it's worth saying, we, we, you know, we always say that we're going to try and do this every two weeks, but you've been fairly flat out busy recently with work. Work has been very busy, so I'm coming back to this, and it's a nice little... It's like you've been on holiday. Fresh, it is. It, a very a very stressful, busy, tiring holiday, but still. An unintentional hiatus. So yeah. hopefully we'll be getting back up to being a bit more regular. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably why you didn't know about Tumblr, because I did that during your busy downtime. Um, during the workcation workcation um correction section mm-hmm. this week it's a pronunciation special yeah good um because i can't say things right that sentence well, is awful you as know, well so you've... i can't say things right I, d- I don't say things properly that's that better you don't say things proper oh, i don't say it properly. um so what the first thing i got wrong was um ironically this in itself was a correction in episode three is i was correcting who directed snowpiercer We'd said it was Park Chan-wook and it wasn't. It's actually Bong Joon-ho, but I said his name incorrectly um, <laughs> in a correction. So Hopefully you get it wrong again and then we can bring it up next time. Just keep bringing it up every week. Let's draw a line under this one. I don't care whether it's correct this or not. This is really only for our benefit anyway. It's not like it's for anyone else's. It's for my personal... I When I listen to the podcast, like the narcissist that I am, yeah. and I feel like, oh, I've got that wrong. It's I feel just like, like I shudder. Ugh. Yeah. Did that wrong. Yeah, I wouldn't even know if I was being incorrect. Oh, well. Oh, I had no clue. Just says a lot about me, I guess. Yeah. And also, um, the director of Prisoners and um, Sicario and Enemy and Arrival and Blade Runner is actually Denis Villeneuve. 
and not whatever I'd said. Didn't even knew. I think I said it. I think I said it like a, a an actual. I tried to say it like I was Frank. Well, we were saying venue, like trying to be instead good. of Villeneuve. Okay, but I just want you to know. It's that always I, yeah. It's going to be horribly tainted by a. Yeah, I had British to listen accent, to so. about three videos of him on YouTube saying his own name. And still had to write it phonetically and then do it before we recorded. Yeah. And I'm still not entirely sure. We were practising. So I'm sure we'll come back to this one uh, again in episode five. Um, news. One Love Manchester. One Love Manchester. So um, Ariana Grande organised a concert in Manchester in the wake of the tragic terrorist attack which had happened at her concert in, in the city at the end of last month. Um, it felt extra poignant as well given the um, horrific attacks in London as well at the weekend. Um, the concert was at, um, I think it was Old Trafford Cricket Ground in Manchester. It was like 50,000 people. 50,000 people. Um, it featured, um, obviously, Ariana Grande herself performed. It was at Justin Bieber, Little Mix, Miley Cyrus, Katy Perry, Null. Take that. Horan from 1D. Take that. Horan. Is it, is it I Haran? don't know. Oh this my is going to be Corrections Corner. Oh no. Niall Horan or Horan? Vaughn, let us know. Um, Coldplay. Um, Gross. Some other people. but Surprise. Surprise appearance from Liam Gallagher of Oasis. Excellent. Who performed Oasis songs with Coldplay. Um, there was Which is not what anyone was hoping for, to be No, did you watch the honest. concert? Yeah. Well, I, I didn't watch all of it. I saw kind of the second half. No, same. We, we'd been watching something on Netflix and then I was like aimlessly scrolling through my Twitter feed. Then realised it was live? Realised it was live and then realised that suddenly a load of people that I follow on Twitter were suddenly freaking out about the fact that there might be an Oasis reunion. So we turned it on, um, but then unfortunately we discovered... We were gifted. We were gifted with Liam Gallagher playing with Coldplay, which I think A is hilarious because... I don't know, I just Liam's Liam slagged Chris Martin off before. I can't remember what the... He just probably... I can't remember what the insult was now, but... It was quite He's, quite like, funny, wasn't really it? slagged, like, laid into Chris Martin in particular Loads. in bef- before. So yeah. that must have made for an awkward greeting. It um, also looked like, just by body language, like, Chris Martin was really leaning into it and just loving it. Chris Martin And Liam like, was, like, just sort of back-turned, like, not even... The only way I can describe it is it's a little bit like... Did you ever watch footage of Brian Fallon from Gaslight Anthem playing with Bruce Springsteen? No, In the sense that Brian was, like, elated to be on stage with Springsteen. Brian Chris in this scenario. Because, basically, um, uh, Chris Martin looked like it was, like, the best day of his life. But on the flip side, Liam Gallagher was just a bit like, don't come near me. Yeah. Um, it was also funny <laughs> because um, Liam was then quite scathing afterwards about the fact that he'd obviously... I mean, I'm assuming they must have asked Noel, but Noel didn't turn up. Apparently he was out of the country. However, it's worth bearing in mind that Liam had finished a he show... He was in, also out of the he'd country, He'd finished a right? show in Germany that night at 6pm and got I mean, on a how plane. far out of the country is he? Yeah, he got on a plane and flew home to do the concert. I mean, he was on at like 10 or something, so like it was a pretty good turnaround. Um, the concert itself had raised, um, I think when I checked today, it was in excess of £10 million. That's amazing. Um, in donations, which is amazing considering, it was, you know, it come out of something massively tragic. So, um, you know, hats off to Ariana Grande to, A, be doing it in such a short term time. Yeah, so I mean, since... she, yeah, I don't know how she's... And it was it, just a nice She was to... the victim of a terrorist attack as much as everyone else, yeah, so absolutely. it must be... And it was, it was really nice to sort of have, you know, Manchester to suddenly have this focal point of, like, happiness and, mm. you know, kind of bringing everyone together mm. and, and... That amazing, that amazing image of that policeman 
dancing ring a ring a roadies ring a ring a roadies ring a ring a rosies with yeah with the thing that got me is I think I'd I think I tweeted it on our account was um they did one the one last time yeah the Ariana Grande song um when there was she was singing and the crowd was singing it back I'm getting chills thinking about the crowd was singing it back to her and it just felt really nice Mm. and you know there's been a lot of really interesting articles written about the power of teenage girls and everything in the wake of this happening so it's kind of nice to just have you know to see her on stage with such a big audience Mm. being so heavily involved you know in the aftermath of something so tragic so pop um, music wins pop music is the best and it just felt very nice and a nice kind of um distraction from the absolutely horror and everything in the world at the moment so um also news wise we've got um it was the Cannes film festival at the end of may um we're a little bit late coming to this but obviously that's just because we've had a bit of a delay in in recording Mm -hmm. um there were kind of several notable things came out of the festival um the most interesting for me was the controversy of the netflix screening of okia which is the film that's coming to netflix soon which is directed by um bong joon ho which stars um tilda swinton jake gyllenhaal paul dano um steven a few of my myspace top six Five. five. You were going for five there. I was That's going for five. Then I was you can drop to... me out of the the. You know, I'm I can really come in at sorry, six. I've That's fine. You out. Um, so the the it was quite controversial that the film was screening there itself. Um, the French um, distributors had been very annoyed because um, I think one of the stipulations for Cannes is that the film itself has to have had a theatrical release in France. In France but yeah. Netflix weren't doing that with Okia. Um And then on the on its sort of. Um, gala screening it was projected incorrectly i think it was that it was too high up so it was cutting off the Ooh. picture and there was quite i think the critics quite who were in the audience quite liked it and were being quite raucous i mean cans audiences quite are liked quite like the fact that it was projected wrong or the film quite liked the fact that it was projected Ooh. wrong because it was a bit a bit of a kind of like you know two fingers yeah. up to the fact that they'd all been very critical yeah about the fact that it was even there so for it to go wrong that, they yeah. kind of you know took they reveled in that um Cannes audiences are often known for being quite um, OTT and opinionated. Yeah. I remember um, the film critic Mark Kermode always mentions this when he talks about Cannes about how, you know, if, if critics don't like something, they'll boring, yeah. get up and leave, they'll, they'll heckle, they'll, you know, boo. I think they were booing at Okia. Um, the film itself, review-wise, got really great reviews, and I'm actually really, really looking forward to seeing it. I think it's on Netflix at the end of this month. Mm. So, um, and this is the... So this is the first time they've let in Netflix films yeah. and it's going to be the last time? The last time. I think, one of the, I think they're being a bit more stringent next year. Mm. I mean, it's been interesting in terms of, um, you know, discussions about whether Netflix is threatening the movie industry yeah. or whether actually they're just adapting to the changing viewing landscape. I mean, I don't... I mean, I mean, we obviously, we go to the cinema quite mm. prolifically. You know, we, we like going to the cinema. We both mm. have memberships to the independent cinema in our town. And, you know, we all, I, I like, and you do too, we like going to the cinema yeah. to see films. I, lo- that's, I love that experience. It's a great It's a great experience. experience. That's how they're supposed to be seen, you know, and that's mm-hmm. how they're made. So it's it's an interesting discussion. But on the flip side, I watch so much on Netflix. I watch loads of Netflix. I watch I loads love of stuff. Netflix. And that's why I don't have a... I feel like I don't have a particularly strong opinion either way, but I don't think I'm bothered. No, it's I'm fun- not bothered about Netflix films being. No, it's funny because I, th- I think I mean I think one of the things that um, you know, the, on the panel uh, at Cannes or the judging panel this year were people like Jessica Chastain, um, mm-hmm. Pedro Almodovar. That'll be another correction yep. in this section. Um, oh God, Jess- uh, I said Jessica 
interesting, you know, Will Smith was mm -hmm. on that, and he in particular oh, yeah. had said about, you know, how actually Netflix has been great to, to bringing, for bringing films, sorry, mm. to his children. You know, in particular films they wouldn't have seen before mm. and I think that's actually a really interesting argument in terms of actually why it can be a good thing that mm. films get a you know, video on demand immediate release you do mm. see it more and more that films will get a theatrical release for a day and then they'll be on streaming yeah. sites and I just think that that's, the, that's the way people watch just stuff the way now. forward isn't it yeah. you know not everyone can get to the cinema not everyone can afford to go to the cinema so actually if, if something's available it's definitely, online, I mean going to the cinema unfortunately is a complete luxury it's expensive. I mean, it's always. I always find it funny. So, like, we, you know, always try and go to the London Film Festival, go to a, a showing there when mm -hmm. the festival takes place. And, I mean, from just having friends in London and from going to the cinema in London generally, the prices are horrendous yeah, in comparison I, to where we live, and yeah. it's still pricey here. So, you know, for a lot of people, they can't go to the cinema as regularly. But the the cost of a Netflix subscription, although it is a luxury. Is a yeah, but I mean, that. like, yeah, it's like what's how much is it? Six ninety. I can never remember because I've got an old one. Is it like six ninety nine a month? Yeah, but then you I mean, think that's about like the fact the you've... that's less than one cinema. Ticket. Yeah, exactly. And you've got access to so much. So for a lot of people, that is the only way they mm -hmm. can view stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really it seems a bit snobby to me. It does. I think it's got an air of snobbiness, which isn't um, it's it's not entirely can. surprising, is no, it? I feel like can. you know. Yeah, I feel like industry. Industry experts are going to feel very strongly yeah, I mean, of, the way, of the film whereas we're like, meh, not bothered. Completely. Of the film festivals, I feel like that this would be an issue at Cannes is the one that I think would be a problem. I think if it was anything else, I don't think anyone would be batting an eye, to be honest, but um, that's Cannes for you. Um, also at Cannes as well, um, Sofia Coppola, who um, won Best Director for The Beguiled, which yes. is a film that we're really looking really forward to Really looking seeing. forward to seeing that. Um, she's actually only the second woman ever to win this. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Fairly mind-blowing. And it's also um, also this year a good win for women. Um, Lynn Ramsey, who um, directed We Need to Talk About Kevin, she won Best Screenplay for oh, you, okay, yeah. you Were Never Really Here, which is a film that's coming out starring Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, that's the Joaquin Yeah, one, she's the yeah. first woman to ever do that as well. I think there's a woman who won before, but it was a uh, joint effort with a man. So Lynn Ramsey's the first woman to do it alone. Yeah. Um, that's great. Great, but it is 2017. It's one of those things that you like. Jesus. You almost feel a little bit like you shouldn't have to applaud, but like, you kind yay of need for us, to. but also yeah. why? Yay for us, but also like like te we'll take the rare triumphs when we get them. Yeah, I mean, but... in terms of um, you know, it, I think it says a lot about the movie industry, and um, I know one of the another interesting thing that came out of Cannes as well. That, uh, so Jessica Chastain, as I mm. said, was on the panel. And uh, I think they did like a closing roundup where they uh -huh. sort of asked the panel what they thought about the um, the films they'd seen and their experiences of being on the panel. Mm. And Jessica Chastain in particular did a very. I've um, got her. I've oh, got have her got quote. quote yeah. So she said, um, "The one thing I really took away from this experience is how the world views women. It was quite disturbing to me, to be honest. There are some exceptions." For the most part, I was surprised by the representation of female characters on screen in these films. I do hope that when we include more female storytellers, we will have more of the women that I recognise in my day-to-day -day life. Ones that are proactive, that have their own agencies. They just don't react to the men around them. They have their own point of view. I thought that was such a... I mean, did you watch the video? Yeah, I did. It? You yeah. could tell she was getting really emotional. Yeah. And it's been really nice to actually see... Like, so, um, I saw it because Ava DuVernay, the um, mm -hmm. director, um, shared it. And I think can't remember what she said, but I think she was she was very vocal mm. about her support for it. I mean, uh, I'm so glad it got acknowledged. Yeah, you know, at the same 100%. time as us being like, "Yay, Sophia!" 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think Jessica, we've, we've spoken before about Jessica Chastain mm -hmm. and how outspoken she is about women working in the film industry. So when I saw that she'd said this, it didn't surprise me. And mm. I, um, you know, I'm pleased that she did. Um, I sort of wish that she'd uh, mentioned the films in particular yeah. that she was getting at. Um, just cause I'm Do you noticing. think that, that's maybe like a risk too far? Probably. because they're too far, like yeah. she's sticking her neck above, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, also, it's not it's not down to her to name and shame. No, no. I mean, it's, it's one thing to be outspoken that she'd say, you know, be, have given honest. You're taking response. a certain amount of responsibility yeah. already, aren't you? So. Yeah. It's not it's not down to her, just her alone mm. to, to say. I mean, um, you know, she's not the one that's calling the shots there. But I think it's it's an important discussion to have. I mean, you know, we we talked about the Anne Hathaway mm. and her comments. Well, yeah, it's a discussion we have to keep on having as well. We yeah. can't just have you know, someone say it once and then we're all like, yes, yes, here, here, yeah. true, and true. I'm, and then... You know, if, if it takes someone like her to be one of the, the people that's going to be an advocate for that, then, you know, more power to her. She seems to be someone that is consistently working within Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So if she's going to be a, a trailblazer and, you know, say things like that and hopefully lead the way for other women mm. to um, to be more outspoken because they feel more comfortable mm. to, about doing so, then, you know, um, good for her. Yeah, Absolutely. And then there was also, uh, just closing on Cannes, mm -hmm. Twin Peaks, The Return, had a standing ovation. It did. Whereas, uh, obviously, many years ago, Firewalk With Me was met with a hell of a load of booze. That's so funny to me. So it's such a validating nice turnaround. Like, yeah. Complete turnaround. We're going to be talking about Twin Peaks in a bit, so um, and Firewalk With Me as well mm. in that. So, But, yeah, I did think that was quite funny. Mm. Very validating thing yeah. for, um, for David Lynch there. Are there any other um, films from Cannes that you're looking forward to? Um, no, I don't. It's really funny, actually. Usually I'm really up on, like, no. what's screening. Um, I mean, The Beguiled is probably the yeah. one for me that I knew, mm. other than Okio, actually, that um, I'm really looking forward to. The cast list for that is, is brilliant. Mm. This is really... So, Nicole Kidman mm -hmm. had four debuts yeah. at Cannes. Yeah. So I was reading... Yes, it just it felt like it was saturated with Nicole Kidman. It she had... Like, I mean, she's having a revival. We talked about Big Little yeah, Lies. Big revival. Um, last week. But like Nicole episode, Kidman sorry. and Laura Dern, I've seen loads of recently. Yeah, it's funny. Nicole Kidman's also in the film... Um, by I think she's in the film that the uh, guy who directed The Lobster, whose name... So is, The Killing of a... Sacred, sacred deer. deer yeah i can't pronounce his name or remember it so i'm not going to say it but he um i think she's in that yes um she is because she's in that with colin farrell oh who's also and in he's the also in the beguiled yeah and she's also in um the season two of top of the lake which had its is that is that what was there and yeah. then there was also this film called how to talk to girls at parties oh the neil gaiman yes the neil gaiman with which Elfan i think looks Freaking awful, but it's got Elle Fanning in, who's also, also in, in the, the Beguiled. Beguiled. Um, Nicole Kidman and Ruth Wilson. Oh my god, lovely Ruth, podcast favorite. Oh, yeah. Ruth Wilson. Oh, I didn't realize Ruth was in yeah. that. It still looks pants, honestly. I have only read a few reviews, which have been fairly scathing, mm. which is disappointing because um, it had the potential, I suppose, to be quite good. I mean, I'll probably it's see it. It's Neil Gaiman. Yeah. I probably will go and see it. I feel like I won't see it at the cinema. No, maybe on Netflix. Netflix. <laughs> um, yeah, it is, I think Nicole Kidman is having a little revival. And I never knew exactly what I thought of her, so it's maybe funny. now's the time. It is funny. Like I said, I think when we talked about Big Little Lies, I hadn't really ever thought about her being anyone in particular who like warranted any real yeah. like 
praise, not in a necessarily because she was rubbish, just because like I didn't really think anything about her. But that was a huge game changer for me. And actually, it's made me reevaluate a lot of her work mm. and maybe kind of think that actually she's massively underrated. Yeah, I mean, she's good. And yeah, I think there are loads of films actually that I haven't seen her in, in which she has been sort of quite widely acclaimed. It's so. also interesting as well to think about her my pre- reference point's probably Moulin Rouge at this point. Yeah, so. Oh, yeah, well, she's good in that. I mean, it's interesting to think about her pre and post Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. And also, this is oh, this, yeah. this little revival is also coming like late in her career, you know, oh, which is so rare. Yeah. It's, it's quite it rare. So, happen. it's you know, it's, it's, um, it is an interesting one. Yeah, I did notice that she had that many there. And it's sort of like a, I mean, she, I think they asked her about it and she was like, well, it can't be planned. It's just one of those things. Yeah. It's not like it was a tactical. Wait, what, so, it wasn't like a tribute. Because she also won an she did, she won Lifetime award. She no, got an achievement award. Yeah, that was it. So, so was it, is this like, is it her I mean, birthday or something? It might, have been, <laughs> it might have been planned, I suppose, but. I think this year's theme is Nicole Kidman. When it comes to releases, I think there was one year I remember when, sorry, Jake Gyllenhaal had loads of films out in the same year. Don't know who this man is. But I think it was... Who is that? (laughs) I think it was a case of, like, obviously... I think they were all filmed, like, several years apart, Mm. but it just happened they got distribution at that point. So... Um, Nicole Kidman, watch this space. Nicole Kidman, watch this space. On the women front as well, I mean, we're going to be talking... Um, a little bit at length about Wonder Woman in particular. A little bit at length. A little bit at length. <laughs> about Wonder Woman. But um, there was the controversy about mm. the women-only screenings of the film. Um, the Alamo Draft House in Austin had female-only screenings of um, Patty Jenkins' new movie. Um, mm. The internet was not happy. No. Um, the internet just... Yeah. Men were that not was happy. One of, that was a dark day for the internet. It was simultaneously depressing and hilarious. Yeah. This I'm, reminded me why... I, wasn't sure whether I wanted to reactivate Twitter because oh it's just funny to see all these like men getting really rationally annoyed about it I mean Alamo the Alamo chain itself um they saw a great deal of backlash they did pretty well out of it but they also like um scheduled a bunch more screenings in places like Brooklyn and a lot of the um screenings they're doing uh, they're doing as charity screenings Mm. and the money's going towards Planned Parenthood which I think and they sold out like within like minutes I wish there were women only screenings of stuff I know men are awful men are Boo. I did, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I I did notice that one man in particular was suing. I've got a quote here from. Is there a man suing? Uh-huh. No. So that was uh, yeah. What says I? I googled it earlier, and it was like one man is suing, and it says a city of Austin spokesman told the newspaper that multiple f- people filed complaints with the city's Equal Employment and Fair Housing Office, and that the city is re- reviewing and investigating the charges. Grim. Imagine being a man that is so angry that he can't go to a screen of, out of Wonder of Woman. a film that he can see everywhere else. He can probably see everywhere else. In the same cinema. I don't probably. want to be rude. I mean, I've never been to Austin, but I've had friends who have been. And it, it's not, and I've got Google Maps. Mm. And it's it's not a tiny city. No. There are many cinemas. Well, they're probably doing the same showing simultaneously in the same cinema. Oh, my God. Elsewhere. But it's just funny. And it is amazing just to see how many you know, oh, it wouldn't be okay if it was the other way around reactions. It's like, that that doesn't work. You understand that it doesn't work. The same way as it doesn't apply to race in the same way. It just doesn't work. Doesn't, do you know how many films I've been to when I've been the only woman in the room? A lot like of films. Like, millions. So many films. You, I so didn't get annoyed about other, it. So many situations generally where I've been the only woman It's almost like men work. have dominance in society. Yeah. At university. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, yeah. It's just, I mean, I, I did think uh, the only thing, well, one of the positive things to come out of it in particular were just like 
quite scathing comments and funny comments from women on the internet. There was stuff about, I think... I was trying to find there was some the, there tweets, was, actually, and I couldn't find some I wish I'd saved them. Were there, great, were, yeah. there was one that a guy had been like, oh, have men-only screenings of The Last Jedi, and then there was, like, someone had retweeted it, who was a woman who works at Lucasfilm and was like, we'll still see it before you anyway, so don't worry about <laughs> it, or something like that. Brilliant. And there was also, like, you know... Um, advertise men only screenings of Wonder Woman and then lock the doors and show them The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, yes, or I read saw them The that. Handmaid's yeah, Tale. Read them the Handmaid's Tale. Like, it's great. I don't know. I just think it's, I just can't understand ever being that bothered about it. No. You know? It's like being annoyed you can't go to the cinema because it's like an over 60s thing. Yeah. Like, all right. You can yeah, like, to... that's not all. Dementia, dementia friendly screening. Yeah. I don't have dementia. What an awful. I, it's funny, isn't it? I don't know. It's silly. Um, um, and on, yeah, in conclusion, men, are, men are awful. I'm really well. I'm not sorry. If you see in the same breath, I was going to say oh. men are awful. I'm really sorry. There you go. No. Um, but on that subject, the mm-hmm. vulture review. Oh God! Do you know? I Wonder you, Woman, did you read it? Yes. I couldn't read it. I picked out some choice quotes. Oh, go ahead. Please go ahead. So this is the vulture review that a lot of people have been discussing about. Who wrote Woman. it? A man wrote uh, it. David. Edelstein? Edelstein, sure. Uh, it's called Wonder Woman is a star turn for Gal Gadot, mm-hmm. but the rest is pretty clunky. Sure. So firstly, he's incorrect. But, you know, um, so here are some quotes. So it starts, the first line mm-hmm. is, the only grace note in the generally clunky Wonder Woman is its star, the five foot ten inch Israeli actress and model Gal Gadot, mm-hmm. who is somehow the perfect blend of Sugar babe in the woods, innocence and mouthiness. Just love it when those girls I'm sorry, I've done a look like a mouth. total girl next door, but are just such mouthy little. Ooh. Um, number two. Okay. I've just pulled this out of the centre of a paragraph. So she's a treat here with her raspy accented voice and driving delivery. Brackets. Israeli women are a breed unto themselves, <gasps> which I say with both admiration and trepidation. Is that real? Bloody Israeli they women. They ran that? Yeah. They actually ran In that? In Vulture. Holy shit. Um, and then the final one. Fans might be disappointed that there's no trace of the comic's well-documented S&M kinkiness. With a female director, Patty Jenkins, at the helm, Diana isn't even photographed to elicit slobbers. That's the Slobber. Oh, my God. It barely wor- it's barely worth I don't know, Do you know what, commenting right? on because you know, it's we, so awful. You but... know when we talked about Harry Styles and how and the album, right? And we said, I don't need to know what a man's opinion is. Yeah. There was a there is has been no I mean, we only saw Wonder Woman yesterday, but at no point have I gone, Do you know what I wanna know what a man I really about wanna this. know what a man would no, absolutely not necessary. I don't honestly give can't shit. believe they ran that. Um they ran and I was I'm quite disappointed in Vulture for that. I usually like Vulture yeah. as well. They use they're pretty cri- useful go to for stuff. Yeah, I mean in terms of like criticism and just article, you know, like what, what you know, what what are they saying about this? I usually mm. go to them. Yeah, they always seem to they're have kind of topical interesting. Oh. This is a really, really bad just terrible footing and i wonder whether they'll let him do anything again they probably i just will, don't know why you'd run with that there's i mean i don't ha- know why he thought i don't know why he thought commenting on israeli women being a breed unto themselves that's is, so offensive <laughs> that's so offensive it's offensive on all levels but like a it doesn't matter where she's from yeah sure fine I'm what? glad we're commenting on all israeli women what yeah great fine why is he, doesn't need to mention her accent either that's raspy. just her accent. That's Ras- her voice. Raspy accent. It's kind of sexy, you know. That's just what she sounds like when she talks. Sugar babe in the woods, innocent and mouthiness. Oh, I hate this man. Grim. Great. So, um, uh, David Edelstein, you fucking suck. 
on the flip side to this, um, I think I did retweet uh, yesterday in my post um, Wonder Woman um, experience. There's um, I can't remember who the person is, but someone had started a massive thread on Twitter of women authored um, reviews and comments and kind of just general writing on Wonder Woman and it's there's, there's so many already and it's constantly being added to oh, so have a look. I'd probably recommend um, definitely having a read of that and not what pervy men think yeah that that's not no thank you that's not top of my to read list no thanks cool so um that's news um what we're currently enjoying and also perhaps what we're looking forward to um music's a short one you haven't got anything well, I haven't, you? no, I haven't, I have to admit. Are you still in the post-Harry Hayes? Well, I am in the post-Harry Hayes. I've put that aside for a bit. We said we weren't going to talk about him. Oh, that's, I mean, that's just, I'm that's like a matter that. of fact. We should that's get a not, swear jar for Harry um, Styles. I yeah. just have to put money in it every time I say it. Pound every time. We'll be rich. We'll be rich. We'll be rich. Um, I haven't listened to loads of music because I haven't really had any time sure to business. myself. Um, I have been trolled a few times by Liam Payne's song oh my god uh, you know i used to be in 1d now i'm free excellent um worst 1d single thus far been trolled by that a few times on instagram stories when i'm just flicking through yeah so. why is that a thing i don't know you, I, just... I, you'd meant you'd made a comment about it and i hadn't yet experienced it and then i did the other day and i immediately was like it's I, very invasive i remember just screen grabbing it and sending it to you and being like what the fuck is this like, i don't i don't need, I that. Don't need that i listened to it once and then i was i listened to it twice because i played it to wes as well um we listened to it we were going when we drove to my parents at the weekend it came on um in on the radio when we we're in the car and does um, Tom still think it's better than Harry Styles? I don't. We haven't discussed it because it's like a, it could be the linchpin on which our marriage revolves. <laughs> um, it is my favourite bit is the bit where Quavo from Migos comes in, <laughs> but that in itself is just slightly Cringe. cringe-inducing. So, I mean, it's pretty much the fact that the guest spot is the best bit, and even yeah. that shit. We're we're sweeping this one under the carpet fully. Cool. Um, um, I was just going to mention. Um, I think I said last time I was pretty psyched on the new bleachers record coming out mm. um and it did come out on friday it's called gone now and it's really 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 good really um, good i just love jack antonoff so much i haven't really listened to bleachers so, so just it's like a nice summer music he always, yeah. he always times his albums to come out during the summer i think and mm. i remember it's just like nice sunny weather music and mm. given that the weather was super good last week here um just reminds me of like Vampire Weekend, that kind of mm, stuff. It's so really highly good. Recommend. Um, related as well, um, Kylie Rae Jepsen did some guest vocals on his new album. Jack works quite closely with Kylie Rae Jepsen, and um, her she released a single, Cut to the Feeling, which is I think is a B side from her Emotions recording okay. sessions. Um, but it's rumored, I think it's on the soundtrack of a film called Leap. But it's she's also rumored to have a new album coming out um, soon. I think. Um, it actually emerged at a really crappy time in the general news cycle. Oh, yes. It was post-Manchester and yeah. everyone was feeling a bit crap. And I just remember my entire Twitter timeline. It's just, almost like pop music is saving the day again. You know, it was like, honestly, like, A, she declared it was the start of summer. Yeah. B, that it was just like, every, like everyone I follow on Twitter whose opinions I care about was just like, this is absolutely what we've needed. Yeah. I, we just listened to it on rotation. Um, it's, I just, I think I mentioned before how much I love Kylie Jepsen, but I just love her so much. Um, on <laughs> that subject, I listened to a podcast recently called Obsessed Right Now, 
and I started listening to it this morning. Oh, did you? Episode, you're this about episode, to yeah. To, so yeah. they did a um, Heather. I think it's Heather. Yeah, sorry, it Heather is Heather. listening. Um, Heather um, did an interview with Stephen Ray Morris, who um, is involved with lots of podcasts, including one of our faves, My Favorite Murder. Yes. Um, he also loves Carly Rae Jepsen, and he um, has his own podcast called um he's got like loads of podcasts. i know i'm saying i think it's called the popular music podcast but mm-hmm. he, he has an episode on that where he talks about kylie ray jepsen but on obsessed right now he talks about kylie ray jepsen and um, goosebumps and goosebumps he's our dream he is it also reminded me whilst listening to it that he was talking about having a goosebumps uh bag sure. i used to have a goosebumps lunchbox did you yeah just sidebar love goosebumps um but he steven loves kylie ray jepson and it was such a pleasure to listen to the podcast on which he talked about kylie ray jepson because mm. um tom and i often talk at length about how brilliant she is mm-hmm. and how much we love her um so it's just really nice to know other people feel the same he also performed uh, you haven't got to this bit so no. it's a minor assange but he um had he recorded <laughs> his own song about kylie ray jepson and honestly, I was in bits. Oh, it's so nice. I just listened to that. So, I'll get to it. Um, that's, that's what I've been the o- Cool. Um, Movies-wise, this is quite a big one. Well, last time, I don't think we had we had barely anything because we hadn't really been to the cinema. Yeah, well, now we've been... We've got some big ones. Yeah. So um, do you want to start with the... Uh... Well, let's go back to, I think, probably the first film we saw after the last podcast recording. Um, the Crushing Disappointment. Which was... Alien Covenant. I'm going to do a spoiler warning here. Um, Assange warning. I think you probably need to also explain what that is. Oh, oh God, I'm really sorry. This is a minor in-joke with my friend Vix. Um, Assange is just like a spoiler because WikiLeaks. Yeah. Um, I hope that becomes a thing. I think everyone should just adopt it into their vocabulary. So, so Covenant, yeah. Spoiler warning. Just because there are some things I need to Oh, yeah, massive spoiler warnings throughout the whole film section. What did you think? Be honest. Um, so Alien Covenant was, um, I think I went in thinking Cause the best I'd get was like Prometheus, which was kind of fine because I enjoyed Prometheus. I didn't love we'd, it. We'd but... talked about how we had our, we'd been attempting to have measured expectations. Yeah, like curb. And try not to yeah. get too excited about it. But it was shitter than I expected. I just was quite bored. Yeah, I was bored. Um, I think it started off quite well. I was really enjoying the scenes on the spaceship. I the first half cool. is really good. I really like um, Catherine Waterson. Yes, yeah, she was great. I thought she was good. Um, I mean, the problem with having a... I always feel a little bit like, and I felt this about Prometheus, actually, is that when you've got a female protagonist, you always compare them to Ripley, which is such yeah. a shitty thing to do. But, like... And especially for her in particular, mm-hmm. they gave her cropped hair. Which well, she's is in fine. Ripley's position, right? She's just so... Ripley. And, and I, I, on the one hand, I admire the fact they always have a female frontrunner. It would I, be I really so respect. wrong to, I think, to have a male. I'd be so angry. Yeah, it just wouldn't work. But then you're also comparing. I just, yeah. I you just... can't help but compare, yeah. I don't think. Which I imagine you probably, oh, I don't know, actually, maybe if you had a really iconic male protagonist in the first film, a first film and then subsequent ones had other men you might compare them the same way i don't know i, I think it's different for yeah i just it is definitely a film of two halves it is for and, me um, anyway it kind of got boring and a bit shit from when they land on the planet and bloody... such a good choice of words there by the way boring Sorry. and shit <laughs> boring and boring and shit shit and boring um when bloody what's his face arrives like he's something out of assassin's creed with Fast a big, yeah you know he's in on. assassin's creed right um oh god look at me 
Just making cross So it's like he's just stepped out of filming Assassin's Creed. That was the joke I was totally making that I didn't know I was making. Sure. Um, and then starts cutting his hair and it was like, well, we know exactly where this is going. So the big twist is not a big twist at all. My problem was that as soon as he turned up, bearing in mind that they've got Walter, I was like, well, I know where this is going. Yeah. Um, I Everyone think, knew where that I was thing going. I just desperately need to talk about in public is, one, the recorder incident. The recorder incident, which was so deliberately homoerotic, it was just not even... I don't know. It my was friend just a bit weird. It was very weirdly placed. My friend and podcast listener Paisley, um, after she saw it, she tweeted, thanks for letting me know about a kink I didn't have, which is Michael Fassbender <laughs> kissing himself. <laughs> which I was like, fair, fair fine, one. Fine, um, I just, I, Yeah, that was a really oddly I mean, I think it scene. says a lot about us that, bearing in mind, how many of us went? Was it six of us? Yeah. Six of us went, and as soon as he says one particular line, which I can't even, I'm not even going to repeat. No. But he says this line, and we were all sniggering like children. Yeah, because absolutely. It, it, it was like breaking the fourth wall in some weird, like, I'm sorry, did he actually, I, I think I looked at Tom, and I was like, did, they, did he just say that? And why is the tone of this film rapidly changed for, like, five seconds, and then goes back to, it was weird. And all the, the Frankenstein stuff, it just, with all the, the monsters and the, anatomical drawings and the it was just it's i don't strange. know i think it's really interesting that um ridley scott seems to be so insistent on retreading this i mean it's funny because in the don't we, do a george we Lucas. you know we'd yeah that's what it feels a little it's bit like bit and i mean we'd rewatched um we rewatched the first two mm -hmm. in prep for seeing it and tom had watched prometheus yeah um i mean alien itself is just like it's so iconic. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it so many times. Yeah. And yet there are so many parts of it that I thought absolutely shit myself yeah. over. And same goes for Aliens. Like, mm. you know, it, it's just it's it's just one of those films that it's just such continuous tension. Mm. But I just didn't feel that with, no. with Covenant. I mean, the I, there gore, were aspects... The gore was good. The gore was good. And yet there wasn't, like... There's no surprise element to it because you know exactly what is going to happen so much of it had been with in each trailer. person. Like, yeah, you knew, yeah, because of the trailer and also because of the face huggers, you know exactly what that is going to yeah. happen once that, for, like, once that happens. Yeah. So it doesn't, I don't know, other than wincing at a bit of gore, there's nothing is, else I there. mean, I think there were things for me that I would quite, I would have preferred a little bit more explanation of. Like, I quite liked the, the um, Billy Crudup's character, mm -hmm. the captain, who's obviously... Um, he's a little bit at war with himself in terms of, you know, his religion versus... Yeah, so they touched on the faith element and then just left it. Yeah, I wish there'd been more about that. I mean, yeah. they, they sort of mentioned that in um, Prometheus with mm -hmm. Mimi Rapace's um, character because she always wore mm -hmm. a, um, a crucifix, didn't she? And she was very... She was quite religious in that regard. Um, that was something that I just wish there'd been more development on. Um, did you not think it was really fucking funny that James Franco dies in literally two seconds? Do you know what? I was impressed by that. I was kind of like, oh, this set, sets like a surprising tone for the start of the film. Yeah. Like, if they can do this right at the beginning, and you know, you we weren't anticipating you it at all. You literally see him in a, doesn't open his eyes. Anything you see him like, in his pictures. You see him in a video that she watches after he's died on on a video. Yeah. She watches a video on, a, on like a tablet, doesn't she? But it's um, like the first thing that happens, yeah. right? And I was excited by that because I thought, wow, weren't expecting that. Yeah, that's why big I, twist sets the scene. And totally, the that's why I film. think it. Um, it is definitely film of two halves. I mean, I think it would be interesting to... I think I would be interested to watch it again. Tom's response to it was a lot different to mine in the sense that he'd watched Prometheus that day and then we went to see Covenant. Mm. And I don't think he reacted to it as 
we did i think because he still had all that mythology yeah the god stuff mm -hmm. in his head still from watching prometheus mm -hmm. like hours beforehand whereas for me i just kind of like glossed over all of that stuff yeah. because i didn't really enjoy it at the time no and the cgi there's oh, so much cgi God, alien the neo -morphs i just so I don't need to see this much of them. They just, they look, no, I just... One nice. of the things I remember when we, when we stood outside the cinema and had that massive discussion after seeing it is one of the things I remember talking about with Wesley was the mm. fact that actually you think about an alien and aliens, um, both of the xenomorphs in that are literally a guy in a suit. Yeah. Bring and, it back. And some like hazy vape, you know, stuff. And that's Some terrifying. Some of the effects in the original Alien are unreal. They're so good. And yet, the C I just felt like the CGI in Covenant was really distracting. Yeah. There's a couple of scenes, especially when it's the um, the white with the neo. What are they called? I think they are called neo. Yeah. That just seemed a bit like this doesn't look real to me. You know. No, it's it's totally it's breaks distracting. That kind of. Yeah, it is really distracting. It's, all it's a bit like the, the um. I think it's like the un uncanny valley is when they talk mm. about like CGI and stuff yeah. like that, and it, just and it lacks all kind of physicality, doesn't mm. it? So you're just so detached yeah. from it that it just like when when they're you know if if it's chasing them and stuff, yeah. you just think like well that's not there. Whereas yeah, in the first no one, threat. you're like you know that she's literally sprinting because mm. she's got you know a yeah. six foot guy behind her chasing yeah. her you know i don't know it just felt it felt disappointing um it I've was naff just a bit naff i've had a lot of time to think about it and i thought initially i felt maybe oh, i'd been a bit harsh on it but the more i think about it the more angry i've been no it's still naff so there we go definitely still that's naff. our thoughts on covenant i also watched war on everyone this weekend and i'm only mentioning it because it was so fucking shit <laughs> I'm so Yeah, angry. you did. You text me saying that you thought that, but I'd like to know why. Um, okay, so I remember we saw the trailer for this at the cinema last summer, and it's got Alexander Skarsgård in it, who, who we both like a lot. It's also got Michael Peña in it, who um, has had really good roles in End of Watch. I really liked him in Ant-Man. Mm. So I remember being like, oh, this, look a, this reminds me a little bit of The Nice Guys, but I'd quite like to see it at the cinema. And I think I remember we were going to try and see it, and then we didn't. So I was quite pleased to find that on um, when I was trying to find something to watch on Saturday on Netflix and mm. it was there. So we put it on because I said, oh, it's going to be really good. And it started off good. Um, but then as it went on, it just got progressively a bit more like this is treading the line between being funny and just massively offensive. Yeah. Um, it's directed by the same guy that directed um, The Guard. Have you ever seen that? Oh, no, I haven't. It's a film with Brendan Gleeson and Don Cheadle, um, which is a great film. Um, but it just felt really disappointing. Everyone involved, I didn't really understand why why it was a thing. Um, it was missold to them as well. Yeah, it's just weird. Like, just really weird, weird performances. Michael Peña is just a bit odd in it, and Alexander Skarsgård is a bit odd in it. And it just the tone of it is just really, really off. So the only reason I'm mentioning it is because it was so, so disappointing. <laughs> I just felt angry. Zero stars. So cheated. You won't be getting those hours back. I'm sorry. I'm just the flip side of this is it was only an hour and a half. I think. Oh, okay. So we mentioned Good. before about short movies being a win. Yeah, that's a short movie. Good. Um, and also, obviously, um, we saw Wonder Woman last night. Um, I I just felt like it was quite an overwhelming experience. <laughs> we um, yeah. So there were three of us who went. And April and I were sat on either side and Georgie was in the middle. And I was crying throughout the entire thing, pretty much. <laughs> and then just felt reassured that I could hear a few quiet sniffles from you the other side. So I was like, it's okay, April's crying as well. I was in bits, man. Yeah. At so what point did you start crying? Um, was... Kind of early on. <laughs> 
as um, it were. I mean, so we won't be too spoilery because it did only come out on Friday. Yeah, that's a good point. But was it? I mean, this is this is within the first. I think the rule is it's within the first ten minutes you're allowed to say something. So was it the point where the small small Diana is like stood on the mountainside yes. and she's, oh god, she's like watching the Amazons train. Yeah, and, and, she, and she's doing a little. Uh, yes, yeah, and um, I just yeah. Uh, it's really difficult not to do a spoilerific kind of there. Yeah, I felt like I was at once crying um, for things that were obviously sad throughout the film. And yet also crying that I was enjoying it so much and that this film now existed. Um, um, we could do it. Oh, this is a spoiler warning. We could do brief spoilers. Yeah. Spoiler warning. Spoiler, spoiler warning. warning. Spoiler warning. Spoiler. Um, yeah, I just... I. I think the thing I took away from it was just the fact that it was a fucking brilliant. The fact that it was <laughs> just, like just it's fucking brilliant. It was fucking brilliant. Had a really good script. I thought it was script. really funny. It was the fact that Very it was sharp. a female lead. Like the entire first twenty minutes, probably longer than that, until your man there were no Steve men in Trevor there. turns up. There's no men. It was literally no men. It's just like really hard. I want fuck to move women to this island. Who were all really beautiful, and also a lot of them were quite mature. Yeah. So it wasn't full of like young, you know, no. young models. Like they were like battle scarred women. They were know, women who were like grown and wise. The and... thing, one of the things I thought about, and I, I, I felt like the fact I'm even having to acknowledge this is just weird. But at no point did I go like, well, this is ridiculous because they're all like model level beautiful. Obviously, it's not the point. But I just felt like there was such a broad range of people, mm -hmm. women. I just felt like, I honestly, I mean, I just, it was awe-inspiring. Yeah. To actually sit there in a cinema as an adult and think, like, I really wish that I'd had the opportunity to go to a cinema when I was a kid. And see this, and see right? This, and not go and see a superhero movie where, like, the the female person in the in the movie is like the damsel in distress yeah, yeah. or like you know like so grand like I'm, I'm a we were talking earlier about dc and marvel and i've always been a really big batman fan mm -hmm. ever since i was a kid batman's great and i remember going to see like the you know the um batman forever mm -hmm. batman and robin those kind of late stage mid 90s mm -hmm. kind of batman films and um, you know, like I really enjoyed the Michael Keaton version. Yeah. Like, so they've got Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, and, and she's great, but, but she's also dressed in in um, basically SM wear. <laughs> and I just that's fine, you know. But it was so for me, it just felt really great to kind of, and I just wasn't even thinking about that, mm -hmm. you know. Apart from I, I just didn't have to go like, oh well, this is great, but it's a real shame they're running yeah. around, you mm -hmm. know, in underwear for them for the purpose of men and i think the reason that this happened is because this film is from a female gaze you know mm. you've got patty jenkins is the director mm. there's a woman at the helm of yeah a which woman. i hadn't realized actually until the end because yeah. i hadn't read that much about wonder woman oh, okay. so it came up right at the end and i was like of course it's written yeah. by like and, of course how, it's directed by a woman yeah and actually it's interesting that you didn't know that because mm. actually like how good is that yeah. that you can you can go and see a film that is directed by a woman and there are there are women throughout it yeah and the prota main protagonist who's Here's like the word. person around around whom it revolves and the person who fucking is like killing it on every level kicking ass you know like is a woman 
like it's it's been really interesting so i mean obviously so it has been opening weekend and um this is from it's, it's just been hugely successful and it's just so lovely to see I'm so, so this glad is, this is from variety it says as of sunday morning the superhero film is looking at 100 um, 0.5 million domestic opening weekend that wow. combined that combined with an international take of 122.5 million dollars from um 55 markets gives the movie a global opening of 223 million dollars um you know that's the third biggest opening for a dc comics film behind the dark knight rises and ahead wow. of suicide squad um it's also um now the highest grossest sorry highest grossing opening weekend for a female director previous to that it was held by sam taylor johnson for 50 shades of gray oh, such a comparison yeah jesus such a comparison um you know and it's the first female dominant superhero film since electra in 2005 oh, electra's grim. not a good film no that's 12 i've years. never even seen that i wouldn't even watch 12 no. years and also um i'm not i don't I love, I really enjoyed Batman, mm -hmm. with the exception of Batman, and uh, to most, to some extent, mostly the X-Men films, mm -hmm. some of them are a bit, mm -hmm. I have no interest in, like, I personally, I'm not really fussed about, like, superhero movies. Yeah, sure. And even with things like Guardians of the Galaxy, which I really enjoyed, mm -hmm. I still couldn't quite be bothered to go and see it at the cinema. Mm -hmm. Um they're the kind of, you know, and Thor, and the Avengers. I've watched all of those kind of at home. Some of them I haven't watched. I just, you know, I'm not usually really fussed. And so this not only was like, oh, yeah, that was really good fun. But, like, I was crying. I've never done that in a superhero movie ever. I was just consistently in bits. Before. And I think part of that is to do with how good the story was and how convinced by it, by it I was. And, you know, Gal Gadot's performance in it is, is great for me. And I just felt like... You know, half the time the reason I was crying is because I was just completely in awe of the fact that this was even something we were e able to see mm. in a cinema. And if I'm 29 and I still can't comprehend it, I just think if you're f for kids, yeah, for, for your young girls, for teenagers, this it's is going to be insane. This is huge, and I yeah. just think that like I really hope this sets the precedent for like female directed, female driven films mm -hmm. because there needs to be more like you know this it it shouldn't the fact that we're even having to have a conversation about the fact that this is like you know the biggest a big deal. for a woman or anything like that that shouldn't even be a thing no. and it's it's sad that it is but i'm also pleased that it's been so successful yeah and you know there's been um patty jenkins has talked at length about the fact that you know she was very aware of the fact that if the film had failed it wouldn't be down to like the performance it wouldn't be down to the script it would have all of the blame would have come to her because yeah. it's a female directed yeah. film yeah it would have been the direction yeah. that was the problem and you don't say that about films when they're flops you don't go like oh well it's because the the, the sh shit male director yeah no you don't look happens. for those films and i happen. think you know she was obviously very very mindful about it and she has spoken at length about the fact that it took a long time to get the film on screen i think it was I think I read today that it was 2005 when initially she perhaps had been interested in it. No. And then she, yeah, I think she got pregnant um, with her child and then had to sit on the back burner from it. So it's taken a while to come to the screen. Yeah. And, I, and I, you know, when I when I was reading various bits about today, I know that Wonder Woman has always been something that they've tried to get made with various different iterations, you know, people potentially being on screen. Um so it's almost like it's taken such a long time, but it's kind of been a good thing because it's been so good. I mean, mm. what you know, 
I know that we both really loved it. I, yeah, and I was I totally so surprised because I didn't have any expectations. It caught me by surprise as well. Yeah, I also didn't. And um, the, I mean, I found I also found the the chemistry between Gal Gadot and um, Chris Pine. I totally bought that, and yeah. I don't always buy. I, I'm not always really sold on those kind of relationships at all. And again, without giving too much away, I I fully endorsed it and didn't find that it affected like the feminist narrative of the film whatsoever no i mean i think i think as soon as i because i didn't actually realize that chris pine was in it for the longest time i think because actually i hadn't really given two shits about the film itself Mm -hmm. until like what you know while it was in production and stuff i mean because i i saw um i didn't see I haven't watched any of the new iterations of Batman with Ben Affleck because I... No, I'm not interested. I was a big Christopher Nolan Batman mm-hmm. fan and for me to re- be do- redoing it so soon is just batshit. <laughs> Five it's seconds after, it's stupid. Um, and I, didn't, I, I don't really care. I mean, I, I like Henry Cavill, he's fine, but I don't care about Superman. No. Um, and I, so I didn't see Batman versus Superman, which is where Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. um, Gal Gadot's um, Wonder Woman first appeared. Um, and I had, I saw Suicide Squad last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it, not. It was whatever, you know, like I enjoyed it at the time because it was loud noises for two hours and some good music. Um, it's not a great film. I had um, my concerns about Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. I think there are different ways you can read that and that's fine. And I completely yeah. understand why people are completely pro her and anti her and that's fine. But um, this just felt like a cut above. Mm-hmm. And it's rare for, I mean, like I said, it's, it's DC's biggest opening. I, I've never really, apart from... Like I said, I like Batman, but DC yep. aren't known for their kind of cinematic universe. No, Marvel's always had the 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 co-op on that, you know, with the Avengers and I, those films. It all interlinks. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, like I I don't necessarily rush out to see the Marvel mm-hmm. films, but the one I've seen, ones I've seen, sorry, I've enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so when it comes to from a production point of view, I hadn't been keeping tabs on it, so I didn't know that Chris Pine was mm-hmm. in it. Um, so when I'd seen like maybe the week before that he was in it i was very interested because as we know we had our recent discussion re the the chris's are we going to address i think the really the pe- hairy subject of, i think the uh, people i chris pine firstly so in wonder um, woman and and then our definitive rating of so chris's, um, which i thought we had nailed Wow. I mean, yesterday when we um, yesterday when we emerged from the cinema, we did uh, we I say we me did some really enthusiastic tweeting. Um, mostly just you were all think, over that. Oh, man, I just needed to get it out. I'm so glad we're recording today actually because I just need to talk about it at length. Um, one of the things, apart from how great women are and how um, much I like Gal Gadot, who actually was in Fast and the Furious. She's in the Fast and Furious franchise. You know, I didn't know that. I didn't know that at all. She plays Giselle. You as your, right? you're, you're like a big old I fan didn't of that. Twig. I did not twig that she's Giselle from the Fast and the Furious franchise, oh. who I'd liked as yeah. a character, but I hadn't realised it was Gal. So there we go. Um, one of the things, I mean, you started this, actually. I mean, it was a discussion that we had immediately. I'm so sorry. Afterwards. You said, I'm currently reassessing my ranking of the Chris's and therefore also my entire value system. Um, yeah. And then we had quite a sordid conversation via whatsapp about the film and chris pine well i just don't understand my feelings before chris about chris pine anymore because my my opinion when we did our rankings we both put him at the bottom oh god i feel so bad 
I don't know how I feel anymore because that's just not true, is it? He was um, wonderful in this stuff film. actually looks quite emotional. I do. I feel like crying a little bit. He was actually all kinds of wonderful in this. Did and watching him, him within context. Yes, a little Did bit. Did you love him? Huh? Did you love him? Yeah. As Steve Trevor. And, oh, my God, with two first names. Two and first names. There's now, I've got some sort of, so, you know, erotic, erotic war fiction's a thing, right? So is this like our new... I think the problem... Are we into like war I think the problem right is now? we'd obviously never seen him in a wartime setting. It really helps because... It helps. I liked the aviator jacket. That yeah. was so nice. Yeah. Um, nice war hair. He had a good, good crew cut. I'd also like to address the fact that one film I had forgotten to mention that I watched was Hell or High Water recently. Oh, yes. Um, it's a great film. You should watch it 100%. I can't believe I talked about War on Everyone, which was absolute crap and didn't mention Hell or High Water. <laughs> um, Hell or High Water, brilliant film, him and Ben Foster. But that was a game changer. I remember texting you. Did, were you feeling a bit piney then? I was piney, piney for, for pine. pine. <laughs> um, I, well, the thing is, in Hell or High Water, it's set in Texas and he's got long More hair. He's got roleplay. Western roleplay. He's got long hair and he's got a crappy tash. Right. Like a bit of a, a weird tash. I have to say, I don't know whether he suits a beard. I don't think he'd suit a beard, but he did look nice with a tash. Anyway, yeah. I was already feeling a little bit on the pine fence. Yeah. And then the Wonder Woman has tipped me in the other direction. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was a funny. Pro-pine. We Pro-pine. We were then sending each other... Well, I was sending you basically pictures of Chris Pine. Yeah, it looked really good. I don't understand because the day before I didn't feel that. Well, no, like hours before I didn't feel that at all. That's actually how I felt watching Hell or High Water. We didn't watch it because it was a Chris Pine film. We watched it because it was an Oscar-nominated film that um, we realised was on Amazon Prime. And, and Tom's dad had been on Earth to watch it because he'd, he'd enjoyed it so mm. much. And it was nominated for Best Picture, I think at the Oscars this year, and it was one of the only films that we'd managed to not work out, work our way through yeah. with regards to the Oscar, Oscar noms. So we did it, and I enjoyed it so much. Um, and was very surprised by him, because I've not been fussed. And then this... Steve, then Steve Trevor happened. Yeah. I mean, it's a shit name, Steve Trevor. But... Well, I, when, he, when they say Steve, I just think of Captain America. Yeah. And I think of Chris Evans. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is true. So... Um, but we're, we're in, we're, yeah. Well, officially, I think it, we can publicly declare that we bumped him up one place. We did. In the rankings. But our rankings are, uh, this basically means that Chris Pine is the only ranking that is the same. No, perhaps the bottom now. Perhaps not the bottom. Oh my though. God. Are you serious? <laughs> Mate, you prefer the Keira Knightley version of Pride and Prejudice, so let's not even, yeah. What's your ranking? Go now. We talked about... We One, Hemsworth. No, I'm so morally confused. Okay, so the I thing, can't deal with this. The thing is, we did talk about our... We did a, we did a poll on Twitter. Oh, yeah, we should mention episode, the results Well, no, we that. mentioned it for episode three. No. And it was... Evans came out on top. And I think... Maybe Pratt was second. I can't bother to scroll back through Twitter. But basically, Evans came out on top. And Hemsworth came third, which is just... And I was super pro, because... Mm, Ca uh, Captain America himself, Chris Evans is my number one. Yeah, but he's please... my number four. Are you kidding? <laughs> are you actually kidding? No. What's your ranking? I well, if I put him at four, then I don't know. Number one is Hemsworth, and number four is Chris Evans because I don't. I haven't watched anything with Chris Evans in. I have no attachment to him as a character or anything. He doesn't visually really appeal to me. 
he's quite squeaky so i just don't have any love for him at the moment because i don't really know him i don't know who chris evans is as a person um, but or as uh, just a thing to look at but I don't really know what my middle rankings would be. This actually might be the last episode of the first yeah. because this is. I'm such conflicted a with Chris Pratt because for attractiveness, I really love him. He's so cuddly, but he's like a morally dubious person. So how if I am I ranking on attractiveness or am I ranking on like whether they're actually decent human beings? You're because I don't always rank people on that. <laughs> You're ranking for the whole package. Oh, fudge. Basically, okay, for, well, officially, Chris Pine is now my number three. Screw you, Chris Pratt. Um, oh, Pine so three, Evans one. I just don't Kenneth know Chris Evans. I'm going to have to watch something with him in. I'll just watch Captain America. He's just so Okay, what we're going to do is we'll go and see that film, Gifted, that is coming out soon, that we saw the massive thing for. Is that the one that looked like Twilight? No, that's Berlin Syndrome. Oh. <laughs> Good. And you're only yeah. saying that because Georgie said it. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I just, yeah, I just jumped on someone else's joke. I hope you heard that, Georgie. Um, she will listen to this as well. She, um, no, Gifted is the film that he did with Jenny Slate, where he, there's a gifted is child. Is gifted? Oh, no. So we're going to go and see this, and you're going to have your mind blown to the way of Chris Evans. Well, well anyway, the point of this April. is, the point of this is, Chris Pine has gone up in a wartime setting. He is either two or three. Oh, what babe. Anyway, my worry is now that this wartime thing is a thing yeah. and that Dunkirk is going to destroy her. I am really worried about Dunkirk and whether you know I can what I sit next to anyone who isn't you because I'm going to sweat. If anyone is listening <laughs> and they are a cinema programmer and they would like to do a women-only screening of Dunkirk... Absolutely. And by women's only screening, I mean, Steph and I With can just go in a cinema... <laughs> Steph and I can go in a cinema on our own to watch it because... Let's have a birthday party... At the local cinema, in the cinema, hire it out, and we will just sit there between. <laughs> I will bring some chipsticks. You can bring some popcorn, and that is. I don't know if I can watch Dunkirk without. No, dying. Well, at least Chris Pine's known as. Basically, yeah. The long and the short of it is, Wonder Woman is fucking amazing. Yeah, go see it. I wish more movies were just about women and directed by women. And, and featured were, Chris, Pine. Chris Pine. And men were basically irrelevant, apart from just to cause chaos and look good in war I candy. Sorry, yeah. I mean, he was a traditional damsel in distress. He so, was. I mean... He needed some help, didn't do he? Do you think that, um, A, there needs to be a, an ep- episode two, Christ, a sequel, or not? Um, because they're obviously, obviously going to well, do they're obviously going to do so it. successful. Actually, I wouldn't mind there being a sequel, because it's... I feel like she has got to a place where she is becoming Wonder Woman. Yeah. She's not Wonder Woman yet, in you, my okay, head. Okay, the thing I didn't actually realise yeah. is that, A, there are no credits. There are no opening, this is Wonder Woman, right? Also... Oh, no, there wasn't. Right? How good is that? Because it's not like... No, I didn't, no, didn't realise that. I think the only thing that obviously alludes to the fact that she's Wonder Woman is that she gets sent the picture yeah. at the beginning by Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Um, so you obviously meant to have seen Batman versus Superman, but I hadn't, and even I knew what was going on. Yeah. So whatever. Well, so did I. Yeah. And also, too, at no point do they refer to her as Wonder Woman. Yeah. She is just Diana Prince. Yeah, that's true. How great is that? I feel like she hasn't become Wonder Woman yet. No, but she can just do her job, and no one yeah. has to go like, "You're Wonder Woman." Yeah, that's great. That's your name. I just loved it. Yeah, I want to go really and see good. it again. Should we go and see it again? Let's go again. Talk about it. it again. Talk about it again. Let's just keep saying it. Yeah. 
Um, so now we've um, unpacked Wonder Woman. I think we should just keep coming back to it. Oh, yeah, forever. Over and over. Um, let's do TV. Um, I finished season two of Master of None. Um, you don't watch it. No, I haven't so seen I won't... season. I've seen probably half of season one. So I won't I won't go on about it too much, but um, I really, really liked it. I thought it was a really interesting season. Um, I think I mentioned last time that I'd watched the first couple of episodes, and I think as a as a whole, it's a really nice little you know show there's the uh, in particular i really liked the episode on thanksgiving which um focuses on dev's friend denise and her coming out to her family because um she's um a lesbian and each it, it basically sort of tracks every thanksgiving over a course of time and sort of how she comes to terms with her sexuality and then telling her family and i thought that was so well handled um and just generally i i love the show a lot and i was i'd been really looking forward to the second season and it didn't let me down um also another show that's come back to netflix was um unbreakable kimmy schmidt which oh, i know yes. have you we finished have... it yet no i haven't finished this i haven't finished this season yet okay. we're i think we're halfway through okay what, what are you thinking so far um really enjoying it yeah, yeah. I, really like I mean it. i feel like it's always pretty constant in it's terms the type of, of thing that you can just quality put on. yeah you can it's a time type of thing for me anyway that you just kind of put on and it's just like nice it's fun and it's like kind of a nice distraction. It's not doesn't take itself too seriously. Although I do think that Tina Fey secretly hates millennials. Oh yes, I'm not sure if you've got to the episode yet where she's basically just being really scathing about millennials. It's the one that's set at Columbia. Oh yes, yeah, we've watched with that one. Yeah, yeah, with the party. Yeah, she just hates a bit. She hates millennials. Yeah, um, she does. Um, I just think Kimmy's great. Titus is obviously Titus is one of the best TV characters. We did, Tom of and like I did have a talk. Years. Yeah, Tom and I had a talk actually about how the show probably wouldn't be as good if it wasn't for Titus. I don't think Wes would watch. No, I, I don't think Wes would watch it if Titus. Wasn't no, it. Tom doesn't I, like Lillian. We both kind of watch. No, Tom we both kind of watch it though. Yeah, Tom doesn't like Lillian. I like Lillian, but he said like, I like Lillian. He said like the show wouldn't be anything without Titus. The parody no. of the Beyonce episode. Yeah, I was losing it. Is brilliant. Tom didn't really get it because he hasn't seen any of those. I Lillian. had to explain it. to Yeah, Wes he as well. hadn't. He hadn't seen any of the videos. Yeah. Film. I think he knew about the baseball bat and the. Mm. In the I think as soon as you, I think it like as soon as you know though, it's still funny. It's funny, but like having seen those, I thought it was so so yeah, good. It was so good. Um, and I also spent all weekend watching Top of the Lake, mm, which we um, yes. mentioned the new series. So it's um, Top of the Lake is a series that I think it came out in two thousand thirteen. So it's a couple of years old now. Um, it was on Netflix. Sorry, but when it initially aired, it was on the BBC. Um, it's directed by Jane Campion, who directed um, Piano, which won a lot of Oscars. Set in New Zealand, stars um, Elizabeth Moss, who's in The Handmaid's Tale at the moment. She's also, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's also in Mad Men. I really liked her in that. And it's um, kind of a, a, a police officer is visiting her mum, who's ill in, in a sort of small town in New Zealand. And she gets involved with a local crime. And it's just really interesting. Like, um, in terms of crime procedurals, I don't really watch very many of mm. them despite the fact that i really like crime crime fiction and crime general true crime, crime kind of stuff i tend not because there are a lot of them and i tend not oh to... this is yeah the, uh, the like market's really, a bit saturated yeah like i really enjoyed the fall when i was mm. on and i really liked happy valley but top of the lake mm. it kind of passed me by and i'm really glad that we watched it i haven't watched it i would like to get around to watching it if i could six episodes so it's only six oh hours. yeah that's it's really manageable but um, i mean i watched it because we wanted something to, to kind of fill our time with at the weekend. And also because I'd seen, um, as we mentioned, that um, it 
they um, Nicole Kidman's in the second series, which is called, called Top of the Lake China Girl. Um, oh, which is coming soon. I think it, maybe this month, maybe next month. That's a weird name. Yeah, it's. I think it's because part of it's set in Shanghai, and uh, there are things that happen in the first series that I think are alluded to in that title. Oh, okay. But I don't want to ruin them for you and anyone else. Oh, thanks. I'm really looking forward to that. Have you been watching anything else? Um, I have been watching The Keepers on Netflix. Oh yeah, Keepers. Um, I'm almost. I've I've watched almost all of it. Um, it's a seven episode Netflix series. Directed by Ryan White, mm-hmm. um, follows the unsolved murder of Sister Kathy Sesnick, a nun in Baltimore. Um, and uh, I think in the first, epi- maybe the first episode, um, one of uh, one of the people in the episode says the story is not the nuns killing the stories that come up of what happens. So. Yeah, I mean we've only um, we've only watched the the first episode mm-hmm. so far. I mean we got. Um, it's funny, actually, we were going to watch it at the weekend, but um, initially I'd said, like, oh, I don't want to watch anything that's too intense or, like, depressing, <laughs> yeah. and then Top of the Lake Couldn't was Couldn't get more, yeah. Top yeah. of the Lake was really depressing anyway, but we watched the first episode, and I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I mean, I got super into Making a Murderer when it was on, and I Yeah, got... and it's been billed as, like, the new Making a Murderer. Yeah, that was the kind of thing that got, got me interested, and it's been mentioned on a bunch of, kind of, podcasts and websites i you know read and stuff so it's um it's more harrowing it's very very harrowing yeah. and it's hard because they have many um su- I, i'll say survivors without mm-hmm. um ruining it mm-hmm. for people who haven't seen it but they have many survivors talking directly to camera on it and that's mm-hmm. very difficult to watch yeah of course so you get fully fully pulled into it yeah um I'm, yeah, it's really interesting thus far. Um, I really like the fact that um, it's being, it's a cold case. It, I, yeah, well, I say it's a cold case. It's It hasn't ever been fully solved mm-hmm. and um, it hasn't been fully brought to light and the answer's kind of found in the way that everyone had hoped when it happened. Yeah. Um, and it's now being, being sort of re-brought to life not just by this documentary, but by the women who are involved in... They're just women who went to... I think they're women who went to the same school. Yeah, they, Sister they Kathy were taught worked. by... She was her so they were taught her by teacher. her and she was their favourite teacher. And they've decided they're, they're quite... You know, they're middle-aged women now. They're in their, like, 50s and 60s. And they've decided to start their own Facebook group and to investigate. And the more, like, throughout the episode, more women get on board, more women in particular mm-hmm. get on board with this case and this investigation, and that's really empowering to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's really funny, actually. I mean, we've, like I said, we've only watched the first episode, but one thing that Tom and I talked about after watching the episode last night was how it's really interesting to think about the fact that before the internet, this is not necessarily something that would be able to sort no. of happen or be looked at at such a rapid pace Mm. and i think that it is i mean you know it is interesting to think about how you know internet sleuthing and and people kind of taking charge of Mm. cold cases i know there's a whole big online community of Mm. like you know people that are just love solving stuff Mm. are really interested in crime you know, like you, you hear about these cases that well, people aren't like solved. social so, on Reddit now. Don't yeah, they? exactly. So it's interesting to think about the fact that how the internet and Facebook and and connecting mm. via that way is, you know, connecting with people we went to school with and stuff like that. Like, it's a really interesting look at how platforms like that and the internet mm. as a whole can really enable people to actually, mm. you know, 
get in contact with people that they wouldn't necessarily in you know decades before have been able to track down that easily apart from you know going through a phone book or Mm. going to like official records and stuff so i mean that's just what i took away from the first episode actually is how i'm sure that was huge in terms of actually facilitating the way that the narrative then plays out and how they've kind of got in touch with people so i mean yeah it it definitely snowballs to quite it's it is pretty unbelievable the way that it snowballs um I, I mean, I've got two episodes left. Mm-hmm. I can probably safely assume that it's not going to end in any kind of satisfying way. Yeah. Which I don't mind. I don't. No. I don't. I don't expect it to be sort of neatly tied in a I bow. Almost... I think it would. I think we'd probably know about it by now if it was solved in any kind of I satisfying way. I almost feel as well that that's not necessarily the point. It's more no, it's storytelling. Not. You know, I, I often feel that a little bit. I mean, we haven't. We haven't come back to S-Town yet, mostly because I still haven't listened to that final mm-hmm. episode. But I almost feel like with that in particular as well, it's 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 the actual telling of the story yeah. and, and getting the story out there and drawing attention to it. It's not going to reach conclusion. The, yeah, but... there's, no, there's not necessarily a resolution to no. it. It's actually more telling people, like, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. And, the, and by having a documentary series on Netflix, if that's exposing and mm-hmm. getting the story out there, then actually that that's incredibly powerful as powerful mm-hmm. as perhaps you know obviously i'm sure the fact you know i don't know what happens then but you know if even if there isn't a resolution i'm sure that that in, in itself mm-hmm. might be something for the families because it's actually reactivating you know with cold cases mm-hmm. it must mm-hmm. i can't i can only imagine the heartache for mm-hmm. families that when they lose someone especially in horrible traumatic mm-hmm. tragic circumstances it must be huge to to then have someone looking at that and actually saying like no like we you know yeah. need to look at this so you know i think that it's not necessarily the resolution it's actually just sort of drawing attention to it so mm. i think we'll have to do a true crime episode yeah we should do i, I don't think. i know you're super into into lots of true crime mm. podcasts there's only one in particular that i consistently listen to um but yeah we should I think there are other it. things we could talk about too so maybe we should do that at some let's point let's do that um while we're on the subject of podcasts mm-hmm. i think it's very important yes. for us to give a very big shout out to the rest of the Lady Pod Squad. Hi, Lady um, Pod Squad. We were really, this is kind of a funny, nice little thing for us. We were really fortunate that we kind of, was that after our first episode? It was super quick, right? We just happened to fall in with. Maybe like, we had two. No. Basically. I feel like we had two. That was it, two. Okay. Basically, we kind of, um, this is the power of the internet. We fell in um, with this amazing group of women. The cool crowd. The cool crowd. This amazing group of women, um, all female um hosted owned curated podcasts um this is simply i think we must have just followed someone or yeah it's the fact that we followed someone basically yeah so it's this amazing group of women that all have their own podcasts and it's been it's been so so beneficial Mm. to us from a networking point of view i mean i've gotten so many new podcasts oh wow the list of new podcasts that i need to get through is just my backlog is insane i've got so many to listen to it's quite Um, distressing but yeah also completely great. um but it's just been really nice to kind of uh, you know reach out and and chat with other women that are doing kind of mm. what we do or doing podcasts that are in on topics that we just have no yeah. we don't touch upon and you know some of them i wish i'd thought of myself right i'm like that's such a good idea i know for a it's funny for us as a little kind of glass grassroots great grassroots podcast you know that starting from scratch and just deciding we want to do this because we want to just talk about this stuff at length because we already do anyway Mm. so why don't we record it it's really nice to know that like there are people that are doing exactly the same thing elsewhere and it doesn't take a lot at all you know it's just 
two, three people with a microphone recording. Mm. So it's been really nice to kind of be invited into this this fold of people. Um, there's a Facebook group now, and there's also if you, if you search the hashtag on Twitter, um, Lady Pod Squad. Yeah, please do. A lot that will hopefully open your eyes to a bunch of new podcasts. We try and retweet as many as we can. Um, we definitely need to keep up with that and you know i've got my new favorites in particular podcast wise but i just think generally i just really want to give yeah all of those ladies a shout every out. single one of them definitely because it's just been great for us especially also a lot of them are based in the states um, yeah which is really and new nice. zealand as well big up the new zealand yeah. crowd it makes me wish i had an accent though i mean uh, I, I know i have an accent though i don't realize i have but listening to them i'm like i wish i had like a nice... Yeah, like a nice American accent. Do you think they think that about us? No. <laughs> no? I just think no. I mean, they were talking about period dramas the other day. Maybe yeah. if we start talking like we're... Like Kira Knightley. Oh, you're really not letting that go, are you? No. Great. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, big I'm up... I'm so sorry. <laughs> She's being mean now. Um, big up the Lady Pod Squad, and we'll try and draw attention to as many new podcasts as possible. Um, hopefully you'll find some new favourites as well. There's a whole bunch out there. Um do it do it do it so what two or is it three weeks ago now um it feels like a lifetime we met at my house i came directly home from work having worked till eight o'clock um having worked an 11 hour shift as part of uh work and the festival uh but i came home to uh april having cooked a cherry pie i did make cherry uh, pie. they put on a pot of coffee we did make coffee and we sat down together as a group to watch <laughs> Twin Peaks the Twin Return, Peaks the Return. on television, not even together. on DVD, not even on DVD even or anything. DVD, not even on DVD. Um, so we watched Twin Peaks the Return. Uh, the first two episodes premiered on the twenty first of May on Showtime. Um, we watched them the following day on uh, Now TV. Now TV, plug plug, uh, plug plug. Um, it's obviously it's season three of Twin Peaks. Um, I can't believe we're talking. Sorry, I just interject. I can't believe this is even a thing we're it's talking mad, about. It's mad, isn't it? Um, created by and written by David Lynch and Mark Frost, directed by David Lynch. Um, the whole thing. The Sorry, whole let's thing. just pause. Yeah. The whole thing is directed yeah, He's by not going to disappear Lynch. in the middle this time when James goes filmed. off and has an affair. So he's here on board. <laughs> it's done. All 18 episodes. This is happening. We've had five so far. We haven't seen number five yet. So we're uh, going to have a chat about the first four. Um I mean, we've done, we've both done a rewatch. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We'd, we'd actually only rewatched season two. Yeah. Well, we, we rewatched both actually. We started a little earlier, <laughs> um, which was very nice. Um, and we also, April and I also, um, sat down and, uh, watched Firewalk with me the day before, um, we watched Twin Peaks The Return. Yeah. Cause I'd, um, I'd never seen it. You haven't seen it. This was the, the fourth time for me, which is three more than I thought I'd. Watch yeah, it. I mean, the reason, I mean, I, I wanted to watch it because it, I felt it was slightly shameful that I hadn't ever seen it. And also because I know that we, we mentioned the variety um, piece that had run mm-hmm. in advance of the show beginning. And, and also generally impressed that David Lynch had been doing. He had mentioned that Firewalk With Me in particular was sort of something yeah. that would have um, great, um, it would be a great thing. What's the phrase I'm thinking of? It basically sets the tone for season yeah. three. Yeah, it's it seems integral, but I don't know why. Yeah, at this point, um, yeah, yeah. And for me, um, Firewalk with me is a funny one because I remember watching it. 
I jumped into Firewalk With Me after finishing season two for the first time. I watched it straight away after the final yeah, episode. Yeah, you sang to me the other day In the middle this. of the night, I was advised by my cousin not to do it because he was like, it's pretty, it's pretty hardcore. And I just didn't sleep a wink that night. And afterwards, I was very much of the opinion that I was glad to have watched it. But, um, it, you know, you watch it to kind of complete the set and it's it's not the most necessary is not necessary watching mm -hmm. um and i i don't believe that now at all i think yeah. it's completely necessary to the entirety of twin peaks it's not always like it's not fantastic um it's funny it's not like a high point of david lynch's no, career I mean, but i think i think it is really important yeah i mean it's it quite funny actually having watched it like the day before and then going straight into this new season there was already things that in those in those new episodes that were immediately harking back mm. to firewalk with me i mean it's i always think when i think of david lynch's work i mean i was writing something about this about this the other day that the the thing i always take away from david lynch's work is that um, he's very much an artist. Mm -hmm. He's very much someone that purposefully makes wants to make you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I always feel, you know, if anyone asked me to describe David Lynch's work, I would just describe it as being a total head fuck most yeah. of the time. You know, it looks it always looks amazing. Mm -hmm. You never know entirely what's going on. Mm -hmm. You always feel a little bit tense. I mean, I personally always mm -hmm. feel a bit tense, and it just a bit like oh well you never really know where you sit yeah and, no. and i like that yeah. that's something i like you mm. know like i think that especially in this day and age you know it's rare that you get kind of auteur auteur sorry mm -hmm. auteur filmmakers mm -hmm. that kind of he's very much of the old school yeah. in that regard i think is that he's very much got like an artistic vision mm -hmm. and he just does what the fuck he wants like screw you if you mm -hmm. if you don't know what's going on mm. Um, and I always take something new from his work each mm. time. So it was the thing I took, you know, on my first view of Firewalk With Me is just how deeply unsettling it is. Mm -hmm. But then you then, you know, then me thinking back to like things in Twin Peaks mm -hmm. and especially having done the Twin Peaks season two rewatch, mm -hmm. there, are, there are little allusions to mm -hmm. kind of that, that level of discomfort yeah. and actually kind of like that surreal surrealism. Mm -hmm. And you see that in those new episodes, yeah. like going straight into the new apps the next day. Yeah. There's a complete surrealist, like, you know, I mean, we sat in silence for the first oh, yeah. 20 minutes yeah, because yeah, we yeah, just, yeah. A, couldn't believe we were watching it. Paying B, attention. <laughs> paying attention because we were just, like, you've got you know, to pay attention. You've got to pay attention. Three, because I, all, I feel a little bit like we were all on edge waiting for something. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't know what you're waiting for, mm. but you're waiting for something. Mm -hmm. You know, and I just, it's so rare mm. that we literally were all like phones down. Yeah. Like, we had to stop eating. Because I felt a bit sick to begin with. Yeah. Like the anticipation was huge. And yeah, we'll have to put down our cherry pie. Couldn't you? It was, just, it was just straight out of silence. You don't get yeah. that for yeah. anything these it days. Was, no, it was it was an amazing experience actually. That's great. Um so before we sort of launch into a full discussion of um the first four episodes of the Twin Peaks The Return, um what were your general feelings? General how generally do you feel about these first four episodes? Do you feel excited? Are you relieved? Do you feel confused? Uh, one of the things that I think that we might have mentioned in the last podcast when we did do a bit of Twin Peaks and also in discussions that I know we'd had collectively mm -hmm. um, was that A, I was really pleased that David Lynch was doing everything, mm -hmm. but also B, that I don't think anyone was going to be prepared 
for how he was going to be doing what he wants. We had no idea, and he hasn't. He hasn't. Um, he hasn't directed a film or anything ten, in like almost years ten years. And the so thing he is, knows where he's at in his kind of. I think he'd been very canny with you know. So we said that he nearly walked away from the project mm -hmm. because Showtime weren't giving him what he wanted money wise, mm -hmm. and he got it. And I think that we'd said, and what I'd hoped for was that he was going to do what the fuck he wanted, yeah. and that people were either going to love it or mm -hmm. hate it. Hate it because it wasn't what they, what they took from the original, had taken series, from the original. Right. But I'd gone into it being like, this is David Lynch's pet project. He didn't get to fully do what he wanted to do. Oh, he's he's a he's said that he thought um, that apart from like the first episode of season two, everything else was complete shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, so this. He, for, so for my expectations for these new, new episodes was just going to be like, he's going to do what the fuck he wants. Mm -hmm. And I almost wanted him to do it. Mm -hmm. And I remember after we watched those first two episodes, I remember saying to Wes, just being like, I'm so glad that he's just doing what he wants. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I, he doesn't care what people think. I mm -hmm. mean, obviously he wants people to watch it, but he mm -hmm. doesn't, he's not doing this because he wants critics to say like, oh, this is, a, you know, this no. is the best thing ever. And, yeah. and that's all I wanted from it. And I, we got it. Yeah. You I know, think. like, I know that we all just, after we'd watched those initial, I mean, we we so we did the first, you know, feature length one and two. Mm -hmm. And then we all decided it was like, it was super late anyway, but we went into to three yeah. because we couldn't wait. Couldn't wait. And I just feel like it was surreal. Mm -hmm. It was, there was just such a degree of uncertainty. There mm -hmm. was like fan service yeah but not fan service where not it's corny fan service. no there was fan mm. service in the sense that like you know the people you kind of wanted to be there there were little nods to you know seasons one and two and and mm -hmm. firewalk with me um i just liked it you know there are things about it that shouldn't work so you know um the fact that it's not all in twin peaks mm -hmm. That you start in yeah New York. i mean That's i was gonna huge. ask about the the new location so twin peaks is the original Twin Peaks is obviously very much set in Twin Peaks. Um, the new, one of the biggest uh, kind of things about Twin Peaks, the return is that there are new settings which come into play almost straight away. So we, we don't open in Twin Peaks. No. We, I mean, we open in the familiarity of um, the Black Lodge, but then we move to New York and didn't you just, think we haven't been to New York before. No. Um, and we moved to South Dakota Um we moved to, uh, is it Vegas? Yes, yeah, like Las Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. Um, yeah, we go to Twin Peaks. It, 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 there are new locations everywhere. And that was one of the aspects that I wasn't sure about. Okay. I was like, uh, do, don't we I want think it, it was... in Twin Peaks though? And nah, yeah. I think it's, I mean, I, I from, a, from a visuals point of view, I thought it was very striking for him to go straight into New York and not go into like the familiar woodsy... I mean, Washington they held off setting. for a long time. I How love... long was it until we actually, yeah, in the first episode? I think of... actually what I liked about that is that it felt like a David Lynch film. Yeah. You know, I think it's funny. It was funny having watched the, you know, um, watched season two in particular. Um, you know, it looks very made for TV in mm. the sense that it just has that kind it of old TV feeling, style yeah. look. And, yeah, and we... it does pay service to things like dynasty and absolutely yeah. yeah it's got that soapy quality yeah. which we said about but with you know the uh, with the opening of the episode one in particular um it just felt like a david lynch film yeah which i loved mm -hmm. i really liked it i liked the fact that you it's weird mm -hmm. you like 
who the fuck is this guy? Who's the glass box? Who's What's the, the glass box? guy being recruited to watch Why, why won't he let this girl in? You know, mm. and I just, from an aesthetic point of view, it just looked amazing. And it's set very much in the present day, right? Yeah. This isn't supposed to be set immediately this is 25 years later everything yeah. has developed I, including the way that this is not trying to hark back to no and i kind of liked that because I that had it's... that had been one of my trepidations i think that it actually would kind of it would whitewash the last 25 years in mm. the sense that it would kind of be too too you know throwbacky just mm-hmm. and be just kind of weird with it and not, we was, and not acknowledge yeah. the fact that 25 years have mm. passed i mean laura herself says you know yeah See you in 25 years. 25 years. Yeah. I mean, one of the, I mean, we were even discussing down to like the theme tune. We were trying to work out the opening theme tune, opening credits. We were trying (laughs) to work out, you know, are they going to use the original opening credits? Because that's going to look kind of weird. Like, I love that little bird, but it's going to look quite dated. Yeah. Um, Is that going to work? And of course, we were thinking they're either going to roll completely with the original credits Mm -hmm. or they're going to do something completely new course they didn't they had new visuals but with the original opening credit theme which i thought and it worked perfectly yeah i mean actually it's funny actually thinking about that first view i just like i said we were in complete silence and then the credits start and that music kicks in and, and we just sighed perfectly. It, it worked perfectly yeah. we all sighed we were all like just like yes like this yeah. is it we're here we're sold this is it we've been waiting for it mm-hmm. you know like that music was just that reassuring kind of like drags you back in you know the, the first you know the first 20 minutes or so or whatever kind of a bit jarring you're trying to get your head around like oh wait this is twin peaks but this looks like a david lynch film this isn't yeah this is twin peaks but it's not twin but what, peaks all, and what's right? the connection like who is yeah. that like where is the connection there and then you are brought into it by that music and mm-hmm. i think that actually that's him setting the tone i think i hope for the mm-hmm. rest of the season where it's going to be it's it's, it's not going to be the same mm-hmm but would you have wanted it to be the same? You know, yeah. that's how I feel. It's got, yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. Um, because I think, you know, and, and one of the things that we've mentioned and, we, and that we will we'll come to is that kind of acknowledgement of the wider Lynch universe. Yeah. And for me, that was, that was him setting the, you know, this 25 years have passed. Mm-hmm. I've had a career mm-hmm. in that 25 years. You know what I've done, you know, and now I'm going to take that Mm-hmm. And then kind of almost come full circle. Yeah, do you see what yeah, I mean? And I come do, back yeah. to Swim Beaks and actually get to do what I wanted to do, yeah. but I didn't do. Yeah. Um, there was very much, um, you could see David Lynch's Twin Peaks as intended, like mm-hmm. you said. You could also see uh, Mark Frost's Twin Peaks, which is a slightly different, I think, to David Lynch's. So Mark mm-hmm. seems to look at uh, the kind of wider context and the historical context of Twin Peaks uh, with his book, um, the secret history of Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. it very much knits Twin Peaks into a wider narrative of alien conspiracy, um, like President Nixon, like it's it, it kind yeah. of draws the rest of the world in and around Twin Peaks and kind of sets mm-hmm. it in firmly in the world. I don't think David Lynch is as concerned about that and he's very much, you know, set on his vision of yeah. what Twin Peaks is. And I think there was quite a nice knit together of the two. There have been a few a few small, not many yet, but a few references that have been in the book. Mm-hmm. It feels very much like they're David Lynch is involved, but they've both got a bit of what they want. Which is, I think, is the is almost like kind of what you you want. I yeah. mean, obviously, I th- I, it's funny actually when you think of when I think of Twin Peaks, I automatically think of David Lynch. But it's Mark Frost, but it's as, Mark well, Frost right? as well, right? And actually, I think it's it's you know it's to their credit. Mm. 
it's it is a joint venture and i think actually if you say that there is kind of those the both kind of being able mm. to sort of have both their kind of you know juggling both the balls mm. in the air at the same time and i think actually that's it's good that they've managed to find that i mean that variety piece you know mentioned their their relationship mm. and sort of the longevity of that and mm. i think it you know hopefully that's going to be a testament to the way the rest of the season plays out i just wanted to look at some of the characters okay fine. um for a bit um i thought maybe we'd start um with some of the new characters okay. because we meet some of the new characters first yeah because they've almost been it's almost it's quite you know so we mentioned the lengthy cast list in terms of people that would be turning it's up like over various, 200 people yeah so it's you know insane. i i was almost anticipating with sort of eagerness those new characters as much as i was sort of to see the return of old ones yeah. so yeah. yeah um and i won't mention them all because there are many many mm -hmm. but um i guess it's notable um that we have we kind of have two new Coopers. We do. So we've got Cooper, who we know is in the lodge. We also have Evil Cooper, his doppelganger, Dan Mr. C. Danzig Cooper. Danzig Cooper. Yeah, Danzig Cooper. Uh, yeah. Um, weird 70s throwback Evil Cooper. That's um, the only way I've been differentiating it in my head is that he's Danzig Cooper. Yeah, he wears like a leopard leopard print? I don't mean like snake print. Snake shirt. Print, and shirt. He looks like he's just walked of wild at walked out of wild. He at does, heart. doesn't he? Which I um, was and you great. can tell he's got a bit of bob in him from hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but I mean, when he arrives, I have to admit, when he first arrives, that scene where he's driving in the car and he gets out, I guffawed out loud. We did. Was it like, was funny. Fuck what? And I get it now, but it it did take me a little while. It was an adjustment. It took me a while to adjust. You're right to adjust. I was like, this guy. I mean, it was the hair. I think it was the hair. I think it's because... I mean, there has to be a bad wig in Twin Peaks, but still, it, the hair. Yeah, I mean, it's because I think when you think of Carl McLaughlin in Twin Peaks, you think of Agent Dale Cooper mm -hmm. with his lovely hair and his lovely pristine suit and the jacket. Just being a babe. Being a babe. You, so you don't necessarily think of, like, someone that should be propping up a bar in an 80s rock He's just so Constant. throwback, isn't he? He's so throwback. Um, but I'm, I'm fully sold on him now. 100%. And he's... He's a really intriguing character. He's really intriguing. Um, we've also got Dougie Jones, who is another... <laughs> Businessman Dougie um, Jones. Yeah, Dougie Jones, um, who is... Um, loves a bright suit. He does love a bright suit. And he seems to be another doppelganger or some sort of Cooper prototype. That's weird, That didn't it? quite work. Um, so we're there's a quite a long winded scene of him in a casino which again i was like this is going hello. on for a while well, yeah hello giving us one of our favorite new catchphrases um was it it was a drawn out sequence very uh lynchian in that respect. So lynch, yeah um so we've got yeah we've got two new coopers we've got three coopers in total um the, the dream we we have a new kind of murder mystery um with uh, a woman's body uh well, we meet a woman and her little dog who uh, ring the police because she can she finds a weird smell emanating from Ruth Davenport's what? apartment. And when they go in, they find uh, a woman's head and a different person's body attached to it. That was so gross. Um, absolutely grim. So actually, um, can I just pause here and say, actually, yeah. I was quite surprised by the grimness and goriness of those first initial episodes. Yes. Let me just quote that very variety article. Oh, sure. Go that ahead. said... There's not much in the way of nudity or extreme violence in the final product. Um, well, 
that's not true. Okay, so um, Steph's reaction when we first watched those initial episodes, those first three, on, on that fated Monday night, you were so irate about that. I was like, there's you said it, nudity in She said it about four times. There is quite, one quite gratuitous, sorry, sex scene in I was the like, all the episode. boobs are out, everyone is everywhere. And I mean, it's not gratuitous, you know, in comparison to a lot of other TV programmes. I think but it was more than I expected. We had not been led to believe that there no. would be this much. So that duped. That duped. duped. That, um, the bed stuff the, with the decapitated body, that was mm. a bit much. It was. I mean, it was fine, but like, it was a bit like, oh, Again, God. that's, uh, yeah. And that, Set in the tone. Um, and yeah, and it was not what we expected. And no. I think we'd been kind of sold this idea that it was going to be, yeah, like the original series, not much in the way of nudity or violence. He's Actually, a, that's not true. So we, again, we don't know what we're getting. He's we a trickster, that yeah, David Lynch. We don't know what to expect. But, um, but out of this, um, we did meet Bill Hastings, played by Matthew Lillard, um, who is the guy, his Scooby-Doo, right? His Shaggy. Shaggy no, Scooby-Doo well, the, Scooby the dog. <laughs> the dog. His, his Shaggy. Shaggy um, and also the guy from Scream. Yes, yes, which I should have referred to first because that's more important. But um, actually, you're right. I, I, I did, just as a complete sidebar. But I did think that all of us went, "Is that Shaggy?" Yeah. Rather than going, "Is that Matthew Lillard from se seminal horror film Scream?" Of yeah, one of the best horror films ever. Scream, fine. Um, but he is arrested for uh, the for well, his fingerprints are all over the apartment, so he is arrested. Um, we meet his wife. They have a very interesting domestic exchange. Um, so we we have met him. Um, he looks pretty old. He looks pretty different. How old uh, is he? I didn't. Look. I don't know, but he just looks super old. Um, you keep talking. I'll look. Yeah. So we've met him. We met his wife. We've got that kind of situation. We've got this new crime. Um, who knows whether is this a new murder mystery that's going to thread throughout you know this season, hmm. or is it? I mean, I do wonder whether there's a few decoys thrown in there. So this really, yeah, this this intense scene with this woman with her dog who we meet and then we meet the corpse and then we meet the caretaker's brother and sure. I just you kind of anticipate all of this this could easily just be a decoy none of this could be relevant to anything else so you know we don't know yet we it, is this it a, could very much be something that never gets no resolved exactly it could just that could be it it for, could just be like a, a, a I can't think what the word is but you know just an excuse to draw attention to yeah they're just leading you up the garden path that's we don't the know yet how they that's go. the first um, um yes matthew Lillard is 47 is he, oh, he looks also on imdb also on imdb the thing that they lead with is scooby-doo so is it? oh well there you go we're introduced uh to uh wally who is uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh sarah yeah so he is um oh, lord lucy and andy's child who for when they first when they first mentioned him, I was like, oh, my God, they named him after the bird. But that was Waldo, the bird from the first season of Twin Peaks. Um, bird? Yeah, Jack Renault's bird. Oh, yeah! <laughs> it's called Waldo. Oh, sure, Laura, of course it is. Laura, Laura, yeah. yeah. And I was like, holy shit, they named him after the bird. But it's Wally. That would be very Andy We meet scene. Michael Sarah. Um, it's it's a good scene. He's, um, yeah, I, w I won't go into too much depth. Can I just say one thing? Scene. Yes, please do. The Dharma is my road, and your Dharma. <laughs> She's pointing around everywhere. There you go. Um, it, it was a great speech, actually. Um, it was it was very good. But um, I, I don't know. I just it's just Michael Sarah, isn't it? It's the only bit that I'm a bit like. Oh. Well, the thing is, when I'd seen him in the cast list, I was a bit like, oh I God, what is this? I like Michael Sarah. Is he in Superbad? He is in Superbad. Yeah. I like Michael Sarah. You know, Arrested Development. 
you know, I, he's he's great. Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim, that's what I was trying to think of. My boy's Yeah, got... Twin Peaks, I don't know, we'll I, see. I've been apprehensive, but I did enjoy his... I mean, I I sincerely think that's going to be it. Yeah, I, I kind of also hope it will be. I think you don't that need any more. It was that's a nice little touch. It's it's a, it was a mic drop, Done. you don't need any more. Um, and one of the other characters... It's actually quite difficult to group characters into new and returning because some characters return but not in the way that they sure. originally were. Go on. So um the man from another place said <laughs> that he would see he would see Cooper again. Yep. But he might not be as he was before. Yep. And he appears here as the evolution of a of the arm, which appears to be a tree with some sort of brain or piece of chewing gum on the top. It looked like chewing gum. Yeah. That was a fantastic scene. So that was like the opening no, when was that? I can't even remember. Great. So great. I have a feeling it was the third episode because I feel I a think little... the third episode was the best episode. I feel like it was the third episode because it was very late. Mm -hmm. We were all very tired and slightly hysterical. Yeah. But we decided to just do it anyway. We all had work the next day. Yeah. We were like, screw it, let's do three. Yeah. And <laughs> I just remember being like, I'm so tired and I'm enjoying this so much and it's so batshit. Is this happening? Yeah. I just remember being like, if we watch, is this, I'm not hallucinating. I feel like we could have been totally, uh, totally wide awake, like first thing in the morning, feeling really fresh and still feel that way, to be honest. But that's fine, though. That's happening? what I wanted. Um, just as an aside, because I didn't, I didn't know about this before, mm -hmm. and it's, it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. So Michael Anderson, who plays the man from another place, yes. is not in the new Twin Peaks. At all? No. Right. Um, he... Um, What's he doing instead? Well, it hasn't been... I don't think it's been addressed, addressed. Um, there were some claims that he... Um, he believed He was angry that he wasn't going to be paid enough or would demanded more pay and that wasn't going to happen. But it hasn't really been addressed. Right. Um, and I I say I did some digging. It's not exactly police work. It's did you ring him? Google it, it's fine. She rang him. Um, but I came across this, which I didn't realise. So... Um, when uh, the kind of cast listing and everything was announced for Twin Peaks and people realised that Michael Anderson wasn't going to be in it, he updated his Facebook. No. Um, uh, I hasten to add, I don't think he's a very well man. He's a bit... Oh. He's, How old is he? He's he must a bit be strange. Yeah. Um, he, um, he posted a picture and this was the caption. Um, it obviously refers to David Lynch. What's the picture? I can't remember now. Okay. It obviously refers to David Lynch. So, and so, it right, this. so, so, so it's not even like a subtweet. No. It's not even like. No, no, no. Ooh, oh, I wonder who that's there. about. Oh, it's okay, out there. Sure. But, um, and you'll probably note by the the negatives that I will. He's seventy three and he's English. Did you know that? The age doesn't surprise me, but I didn't realise he was English. There you go. Interesting. He's a Brit. Okay, so this is what he put, mm -hmm. and this is. He's obvious. He doesn't say it's referring to David Lynch, but that's what he's, mm -hmm. he was, he's addressing. So he put, he totally did not rape his own underage daughter and then write a television series about it. She totally has not lived under a death threat from her own father all her life if she ever told. He never had his best friend murdered, Jack Nance, and he definitely never suggested to me that I should kill myself. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that he never did either. <gasps> so he... And this is in the public domain. Yes. So he suggests that David Lynch orchestrated the death of uh, his best friend, Jack Nance, 
um, who's also in a razor head, um, and uh, he accused him of raping his own daughter, and he suggested that uh, David Lynch had told him to go kill himself. Um, I don't think David Lynch has responded to this at all. Well, you wouldn't, uh, his would daughter you? has, and has just said, nope, that's not true, and he needs help. Um, but that was just a really interesting thing oh, that I didn't realise, and it's quite sad. Um, so he's he's seventy three and he actually hasn't done anything since nineteen ninety eight. No, I don't think he's. I don't think he's Perhaps working. Perhaps he's bitter. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not sure he should oh, that's be working. Weird, isn't it? Sounds a bit very very strange. Oh, that's sad. Um, well, yeah. he was replaced by a tree. So yeah, there we go. So really good. We like it, and it it kind of fulfilled his promise of returning, but not in the form that he expected. Um, returning characters. Yeah. So this is um was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had obviously Coops. Yeah. Agent Cooper. Living, Dale. Living, living, living in the in the Black Lodge. Babe, just love. Absolute Kyle. Babe. Yeah. So handsome. So handsome. Um, and age is better in real life than he did when they put the old makeup on him. Right. In season. Yeah. In the original. All series. those all those press pictures of him yeah. doing the rounds in you know recently. So Lovely. Handsome. Love Kyle. Yeah. Um, you said he looked brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um. People who did not look brilliant. Ben. Ben looked... And Jerry. They looked... Also, Ben and Jerry. I just think of ice cream now and I never really thought of Oh, I did before. actually do some Googling and that's not a thing. Is it not a thing? Yeah, okay. it was not... They're not named um, after ice cream. Yeah, they've not aged well. No. I mean, I really enjoyed the, the, the early scene of their... That was hilarious. In, season one, in episode so, one. So funny. Um, but no, he hasn't aged particularly well. Someone else who hasn't... Andy has aged pretty badly and he's aged badly lucy has looks great lucy looks amazing lucy looks the same yeah lucy looks the same do it deputy hawk looks the same oh, hawk. just gray Love just gray him. silver fox Silver fox. um can we just talk a little bit yeah. about um one particular scene we probably should have done a spoiler preface to this but i think this entire episode okay. is spoilers cool. there's just one scene that i just desperately need to talk about because it has been dwelling Upon my mind since we saw it. So they're at the Bang Bang Club. Yes. We're at the I Bang Bang exactly Club. And, about. you know, it's a, apparently now it's a hipster hangout. But all the hipsters of the area go I mean, to Twin Peaks Full disclosure, now. right. I've been to the Pacific Northwest. Big fan of Portland. Yeah. Done Seattle. I have, in fact, been to uh, where Twin Peaks is, is set. Mm-hmm. I've seen the Great Northern. It's or its grandeur um it's it's full of hipsters yeah. so i'm not surprised that in 2017 the bang bang they were out, is all but... they're you know popping up there so you've got shelly yeah who Look, looks like the absolute like she's just an angel she's, she's so looking gorgeous. 100 emoji she's oh, every time you know all babe the time. complete babe however there is a thing that happens and the thing that happens is she sees james right we've talked about james and the pointlessness of his eggs his existence yeah and B, that plot line in season two where he just has an affair. Yeah, was you're just like, what are you doing? Um, but so there's James. He, he doesn't look as great. He looks haggard. <laughs> He's a haggard guy. I was trying now. to be nice. Well, he um, just looks like a skeleton. He looks like a meth addict. Um, he does look. Well, Pacific Northwest, sorry. Yeah. Um, but, I love that they couldn't get out of Twin Peaks, but apparently loads of hipsters could get in. Right. But the thing that happens is that Shelley says that James has always been cool. Yeah. No, I mean, that's hasn't. incorrect. That's just lies. I feel like this is Lying a very showy. knowing wink 
to from David Lynch to everyone in the whole world saying, stop criticising James. You should all give him a chance. That's what David Lynch wants. Oh, David Lynch will not get that because I'm not giving James a chance. No. The thing also, the thing that I actually took a little bit from just going back to Firewalk with me initially um, is that Laura's just not a nice person, was she? Fairly awful. I know, she was a bit of a just shit. Awful. I mean, she had been like repeatedly completely fine by fine, her fine. but the thing is i always found very confusing about this is that you would ever like have an affair with james right you'd stick with bobby you'd stick with bobby every time bobby has also aged questionably what? i liked him in the uniform though back to men in uniform it completely makes sense to me that bobby would be a policeman it's funny isn't it it works perfectly um just going back to that bang bang bar Bang Bang Bar? Bang <laughs> bang, bang, bang Club. Club. For a moment. Um, Jack Renault is behind the bar. Oh, he's behind the bar, isn't he? Yeah, he's very dead. So is this Jack Renault's brother? I can imagine they've got another brother. Yeah. So there's they Jack Renault. They had loads Renault of them. Yeah, this is his other brother. I don't think he's come back from the dead. There's obviously like a quirky storyline here. Or maybe it's just a little cameo and they'll never address it. But I liked that. Um, Just also with returning characters, a thing that I know definitely got you and got me as well was was the log lady. Oh. We talked about when we did our episode three and we were talking about, you know, characters that we knew were coming back but had also since passed away. That one in particular just got me in the feels when she was talking about the And it was hawk. also very... She's obviously... Um, she was gravely ill. Very ill in very, real very life. Very, very ill. You could tell, time. couldn't you? you know, um, um, it wasn't just a, a plot a character. Point. Yeah, it wasn't no. a plot And I thought point. that was nice, though. It was nice to see her, but I just felt like... Oh, it was know. very... It was very... Um, Lots of feelings about it. It was, and she looked tired and tearful yeah. and it was a very hard I, I wonder whether so we'll, we'll see much more of her no I think season. I actually sort of think that um, that will be it that I think her it. talking to Hawk I think that's I think there might be, be a few of those diff- you know kind of drop-ins like you yeah, said yeah. Michael Sarah yeah, throughout completely. the season um, yeah and on that note we should also mention uh, Albert Rosenfield Miguel oh, Ferreira yeah. who is who plays a big part in this season I did love those magic. so that was that episode four three yeah. four Four, I think, is where they go to. Uh, yeah, it. They go to visit Danzig. And yeah, Dan. so Albert and Gordon, David Lynch, play a much bigger part in the new. I season. loved that, and it's for me, it's one of the standout aspects of the new. When they go to series. visit, when they go to Absolutely visit, amazing. Him in prison, and they're just having that chat outside. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was good. It was so good. It's brilliant, know? and this is when this is. One of the aspects in which uh, Fire Walk With Me is important mm. because they mention Blue Rose, yeah, they do. which is obviously Gordon's um, FBI project, kind of like the X-Files, yeah. we assume. Um, and you wouldn't know that if you hadn't. No, exactly. And that was it was kind of good for me, me having seen it the day before. Um, to be I like, ah, yeah, absolutely. Blue Rose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another, in, uh, another interesting uh, piece of trivia for you. Go ahead. I don't know. I don't know if it's trivia, but it's something that people are discussing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Gordon chats to Cooper, evil Cooper, Mr. C, mm-hmm. through the glass, mm-hmm. um, they meet for the first time after 25 years mm-hmm. and they thumbs up um, mm-hmm. and uh, he says, it's very good to see you, old friend. Mm-hmm. And he says, it's very, very good. Cooper says, it's very, very good to see you, old friend. Mm-hmm. The first very is backwards. Oh, is it? It's, is it if really? you play it, it's backwards. Ooh. And it's like the doppelganger, who obviously speaks backwards in the Black Lodge, yeah. is like almost slipped up. And this is, this is a fan that. spot. This is a fan spot. Oh, God, Could not be true. Maybe it's not true. I'm sure it is. Plausible, it's a fan though. spot. Completely plausible that 
he's slipped for a second and that's what Gordon picks up. Because Gordon says it's not him. It's not like, him. there's something wrong. Oh, that, and he knows. That broke my heart. When he says to him, like, I can't remember the exact Those wording scenes it is. of Albert and Gordon really close together outside <laughs> and it's kind of dusky blue. Yeah. Amazing. Wait, I can't remember what the wording of what Gordon says is, but it's like something's not right. And you're yeah. just like, no, it's not right, is yeah. it? This and is he knows poop. it, but is it because of yeah. that little sniffle? Oh, Go okay. back and watch it, Google it. It's it, That's it's really, really interesting. interesting. Missing characters. Oh, yes, do miss it. We had mentioned, yes, one of the things I wanted to draw attention to was the lack of Harry. Yes. But Harry being yeah. switched in for Franklin. Yes, his brother. His brother. His brother is, um, I think his brother is mentioned in the original he series. He is, because I asked you this, because yes. I said, like, wait. Because he's, he's in Mark Frost's book yeah. quite heavily. Um, yeah, he's definitely mentioned. But yes, Michael Ondkeen uh, yes. is not, has declined to be in the Re- new series because he's retired. Living in Canada. Yeah, I'm secretly hoping he might turn up. I know, that's, was, I know it's wishful thinking. I'm also secretly help, think, hoping, secretly hoping that David Bowie will turn up as Philip Jeffries because he has always, he's already been mentioned. Coop has, evil Coop, Mr. C, On the phone. has tried to uh, speak to him uh, sort of by phone already, um, but it's not who he thinks it is. Um, so Philip Jeffries already plays a part. Yeah. So I think it would they're be... my two little wish lists. Mm. Could you know if if there are going to be some more surprises, please let those two be part of it. Um, also on the subject of people that definitely aren't can't, well tentatively not coming back. Did you see the thing about how the lady who plays um, Josie Packard wrote a letter to David Lynch, or like basically begging him to let her be in there because she's stuck in a doorknob God, at the moment, in a, a draw knob. <laughs> Um, um, when yeah. Tom and I did our season two rewatch, that was the thing we forgot, and uh, we're in, help. I'm in a door. We're in bits over yeah. because we were like, "Oh yeah, that was a thing." Yeah, that's a bit abstract. Um, is it because she I wasn't just, that compelling a character anyway? Yeah, I did. I had issues with that character because I felt it was a bit strange. Um, yeah, I feel bad that she didn't get a look in the news. But I just but thought it was you're a bit... dead, mate. Oh well, I know they bring back other people, but still. I just thought it was interesting that she'd written a letter mm. to him saying, "Like, bring me back." Um, just with, you know, um, we'd mentioned briefly the Bang Bang, um, club, uh, so the musical guests, it's been, they've been doing an interesting thing, which is obviously because they are having bands there, the end of the episode tends to end fairly abruptly with a musical performance. Yes, it does. What are your thoughts on this? It's like we're in the bronze at Buffy. At Buffy? It's like we're at the bronze. In Buffy. In Buffy. Um, it does feel a little bit like that. Yeah. I'm not mad because it's it's a, an interesting mm-hmm. device. Mm-hmm. It's getting, the, the, there's a Spotify playlist, which is yeah. pretty banging. I mean, the new music, I think, thus far has been really great. So Chromatics, that was great. The track they play when Mr. C, Evil Cooper, first arrives in the car. It's good. I mean, it? I was losing my shit. It's amazing. It's a remix of American Woman by Muddy Magnolias. No idea. Sure. Um, I don't. I think it's like a David Lynch remix. It's not Fine. like out there. Hopefully, it will be out there soon. Fucking so good. It's interesting. It's an interesting thing. It's funny the the sort of so the kind of contemporary use of music. So there wasn't necessarily much of that in the initial two series. But one thing I took from Firewalk with me was that. There was there was more. It's just felt like there was yeah, more music. Yeah, there is. In it. There is, and um, there's not as much badalamenti. Yeah, in there at all. No, no. I mean, I, I thought it was funny. I mean, I guess this just comes from chromatics in particular. Mm. So I mentioned, you know, drive, and um, one thing in particular that I kept thinking of was um, 
the the way that Nicholas Windingreffen uses a lot of contemporary music mm-hmm. in his film. And I mean, he's basically ripped off David Lynch anyway for mm-hmm. the, the majority of his career. So that I thought, I mean, it's automatic that I would um, think of Chromatics. I think one of Chromatics who also did the music on Ryan Gosling's film Lost River mm. is involved with the music of Oh, right, Twin okay, Peaks. that makes sense. And I yeah. can't for the life of me remember what his name is, but I will find it and correct myself. But he's been involved with the Twin Peaks music. That makes sense, So yeah. it's kind of funny to make mm. that initial connection. Mm. But, I mean, like, Lost River. Did you ever watch it? No, I haven't got around to Lost River is, is, is very um, lynchy in yeah. that respect. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that... Mm it's kind of like David Lynch kind of like recapturing kind of something that he kind of um, almost set the bar for. I mean, we just one thing before we, if we round up, one thing in particular, we did mention briefly the wider Lynch universe. This extends to crossover with actors in particular. Yeah. So obviously Lynch tends to work with a lot of the same actors. Yeah. Um, and there are kind of people from his wider um, kind of film universe, mm-hmm. which sounds proper cringe, but you know, a film, his sort of um, oeuvre, um, that have turned up. So we had Naomi Watts yep. as Dougie's wife. Yeah. Um, in that scene in the Bang Bang Club. Janie Jones. Janie Jones, that scene in the Bang Bang Club mm-hmm. I mentioned, um, Balthazar Getty yep. turns up and he's in uh, Inland Empire, mm-hmm. but he turns up as well. Um, so it's just kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm enjoying that kind of uh, sort of synchronizing with yeah, yeah. the wider lyncher world and another interesting spot is uh the purple place which is a really great scene in episode is that the opening of episode three the purple place with the woman with oh no yeah eyes. that was creepy um, the space, and there's then, like something um, evil trying to get in mm-hmm. oh just one of the standout scenes i think yeah far. um the the woman in it mm-hmm. is credited in the credits as phoebe augustine who is renette pulaski Oh, interesting. So, there's all these little nods, all these yeah. little... Yeah, I just great. feel like, you know, David is just so good with, like, kind of that, you know, the Easter eggs kind of thing, and there's always always like little hidden mm. things to kind of go back over and analyse, and mm. I just feel like even these, you know, first four episodes, there are things in it that kind of, I almost want to go back and do a rewatch already to unpack. Mm-hmm. That yeah, third... I mean, I had actually intended to rewatch them Yeah. Uh, this week. I just didn't get the chance, but I think I'll be rewatching them. That soon. third episode in particular, which is very surrealist with the stuff in space and all oh, of that. Oh, Major Briggs in space Major as well, Briggs the disembodied head. Yeah, all of that stuff. Mm. That was so surreal. And, you know, we talked about Lynch being an artist and that felt like something you would go and see in a gallery mm. as part of an installation. And mm. I just loved that in that regard. I thought it was just very, very clever and kind of just him fully maximising and, you know, showing off the, just his vision. I just mm. thought it was great. Um, what are you what are you hoping for going forward with these with the rest of the episodes? You, you know, we've seen the first for five of Ed, obviously we mm-hmm. haven't seen episode five yet, but we've got so we've got fourteen more to kind of encounter. Mm-hmm. What are you hoping from this point onwards? Um, well, I mean, some sort of near uh, some questions that I'm sure are either answered in episode five or fairly imminently are um, Gordon obviously asks at the end of episode four, I think, that he's going to go to speak to someone about Cooper. Oh yeah, that, I like who that. is that going to be? I imagine Diane. 
Um, we had a, some so, people think Audrey. Yeah, so we had a we had an initial discussion after that, didn't we, about who we thought it would be. Our our two picks were Diane and Audrey because yeah, they're I two people be that would know. Because obviously the whole point is they mm. want to find someone that can basically kind of ascertain mm. whether that Cooper is the real Cooper. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, Diane would be. We. What are, who are your theories on who Diane will be? Laura Dern. Laura Dern. <laughs> it will be Laura Dern. I'm going to be disappointed if it's not Laura Dern. But who knows? Because nothing else has been as we expected thus far. No, I've managed to avoid anything about episode five. Yeah, I'd like to, I hope, I'd hope to learn a little bit more about Diane in this season. I'd hope, we know that we're going to get more of Cole and, Gordon and Albert, Mm -hmm. which I think is fantastic. And I'd like to learn more about Blue Rose. Yeah. Um, I'd like, yeah, I'm interested to see how many of these little threads that we've already been sort of fed mm-hmm. are actually going to tie into the main narrative or what the main narrative will be. Yeah. Um, will there be a main narrative? Um, it's interesting to think about things that happened at the end of season two mm-hmm. and also things that happened just generally throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Seasons, sorry. Um, you know, in terms of, like you say, things that need tying up or mm-hmm. things that were alluded to in, in mm-hmm. brief that actually maybe they're mm. going to, you know, but other particular avenues that yeah. he could go down. So I just feel like, you know, I, I think a lot of the kind of sort of criticism and stuff I'd read about these initial episodes had mentioned how it felt like a slow burn. But uh-huh. I mean, he's got 18 episodes. Yeah, he's got 18 so episodes. So what do you want? I feel like <laughs> slow burn is like the definitive, like a definitive aspect of, lynch anyway yeah I mean, but they the thing feel is, very yeah i mean my my counterpoint to that would be that actually you know when i've watched tv before there's a marked difference between something being a slow burn and it being tedious and something being a slow burn because they're being very careful about you know how much they give you when actually you've got so much more to go and i think yeah. the problem is you you, you wouldn't want resolution after no four episodes you no. know so obviously we know that i wonder cooper, whether we'll get resolution at a, all, a big thing honest. obviously was yes we knew that cooper had been in um black lodge for mm-hmm. for 25 years yeah. that's where he's been almost he in, never got out he's almost been in a state time. of stasis yeah because how he emerges yeah. is just he's not very with it you know, yeah so he's aged but it's interesting that they've aged so time is obviously yeah. a bit of a weird aspect there yeah. i've seen some fan theories um that what we've already seen hasn't been completely linear anyway. Mm-hmm. So Hawk obviously going to Glastonbury Grove to uh, to the um, sees uh, the red room um, curtains appear. Oh yeah, Has I that liked actually that. happened uh, in the the sort of linear way that we've been shown? Has that happened before or after he talks um, to Lucy and Andy? Um, I like that though. I like the lack of linearity, mm. and I like the disparity between the various different. Mm. You We've know, had locations. some answers. I mean, we we know that. Yeah, we know where Cooper's been. We know that he has one of the doppelgangers has to go back into the lodge for him mm-hmm. to be able to emerge. Yeah. So that's really interesting. Um, I wonder how long it will take for Coop to uh, regain his senses. I'm hoping that that's I actually... I think that's going to be a slow burner. Yeah, that's my worry. That's actually one... That might be... I They they could overplay that. It's funny to an extent. I mean, I liked the fourth episode, which was, was very focused on, on, on Had Cooper. Had his cup of coffee. Yeah, that was funny. Cooper in the real world and with you know his wife, his Naomi Watson, his son. I liked that those scenes mm-hmm. but my i think if anything actually from having seen those first four episodes my worry is that that's going to be dragged out for too long yeah 
that's my only that actually probably is my only worry at this mm -hmm. point that actually this is going to become a little bit tedious yeah. but i have Agreed. every faith that it will be rectified shortly mm -hmm. um i'm very excited to see how it all comes together yeah i'm i just i, I think, think as a gen like i think we can say that it's a big thumbs up from us so far yeah um, and some of the aspects that i wasn't quite as sure about when i first watched it um are over like sort of the past few weeks have settled and make a lot more sense to me now yeah it's, been, it's actually been quite nice to actually because obviously we had that initial wait we had that initial four and then we had a two weeks yeah week ten days yeah. in between them and it's actually been quite nice to stew on it yeah and nice. i know that we were very kind of aware of the fact that we were going to have a big gap between when we mm. watched it and when we recorded but actually i think it's been very interesting to think about the things in particular mm. that I kept coming back to sort of mentally having thought about it and what um how things were going to proceed yeah. going forward to wrap up, I just wanted to mention quickly um, a few um, notable podcasts oh, yeah. that I've listened to. Um, I haven't listened fully to a lot of Twin Peaks. Well, I haven't listened to many uh, episodes, podcasts about Twin Peaks. Sure. There are loads out there, and yeah. some of them have been going for a long time. I know fan, fan favourites. Mm -hmm. But I've dipped into a few to listen to their reactions. Sure. It's thrown up um, some really interesting kind of... Uh, observations yep, um, and questions um so uh thus far i've listened to the reactions uh from diane which is a a very notable podcast mm -hmm. uh, there's a new twin peaks podcast from entertainment weekly that's quite good cool um it's worth listening to uh the new twin peaks pod uh, the twin peaks podcast and peaks tv mm -hmm. um this in uh if could this combined with um, there's a season three discussion board that I joined on Facebook, which is really interesting for fan theories. Cool. I was just going to point out a few more. Go ahead. To end that are quite interesting. Go. Um, so we've obviously addressed Evil Cooper speaking to Gordon, potentially backwards in jail. Mm -hmm. um, in the scene uh, with uh, Bill Hastings in jail after he speaks to his wife and mm -hmm. she's like, See you later. And Bye. then there. the camera pans across mm -hmm. to another cell with a man who looks, or a character who looks completely blackened, Ooh. who looks kind of crusty or like he's been burned or that. Do you not remember this? So there is a, there is a shot of this black thing in the, in the cell and it's kind of, he looks either burnt or like muddy and he looks like he's in agony and then he kind of just floats off. Oh yes, yes, I did remember that. Okay, yes, totally sorry. weird. Okay, so there's been an interview with Lynch recently where he says about that guy. You just keep watching. So he's obviously, well, he he's oh, making it sound like he's someone important, but sure, we don't know. Fine. So someone has pointed out that he looks this guy. He looks like he has a hat on. Okay. He looks like one of the characters who is hanging out with Bob and the man from another place in Firewalk with me in one of the rooms. He's got a little oh. hat and a black beard. Oh. Um. Oh, God. Can I just say that that scene was absolutely terrifying? Terrifying, oh. right? Absolutely terrifying. And this black creature thing looks terrifying as well. Well, people... There's... I don't know whether it's a consensus or whether it's just speculation that that is... The, the guy hanging out with Bob and the man from another place is the log lady's husband who oh. dies... Who she says dies in a fire, like yep. a house fire, yep. which would make sense why this guy is black like he's Which been burned and is writhing in agony so that's just one okay theory um this is why i love twin peaks so it's much. just so good i mean these are just there are so many i just picked out 
um, four that I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, the Diane podcast noted that um, obviously Evil Coop sh- has shot shoots uh, Bill Hastings' wife through the eye, yeah, and um, the corpse in the bed is shot through the eye or has oh, okay. an, an injury through the eye. Um, Coop in the original season when they're doing target practice always shoots through shoots the, the eye. eye, so it's just a nice continuity thing. Um, has he also seen Donnie Darko? Sorry. Oh yes, yes, <laughs> potentially crossover. Um, Harry Dean Stanton's character in Wild at Heart mm-hmm. watches the same video that Sarah uh, Sarah Palmer watches when she's in her house. You know, she's watching that video oh, the animal. for the animals. To yeah. it's the same videos from Wild at Heart. Oh, so they're just a few. There are so many. Please go and look up the Twin Peaks discussion. Oh, God. Do you know what? Please go and listen to some podcasts. There are people who know infinitely more than us about this entire series. And it's just so fascinating. And it kind of proves that this season is a hit already because there's so much discussion around it. It's actually been interesting. I mean, one thing i think it's interesting to think about is the kind of twin peaks in the 2017 context yes. when we have got this internet analysis culture of mm-hmm. like you know deep dives into what this means or this means or you know just that kind of vibe mm. so i think it's going to be interesting how it weathers that and and actually i was a little bit worried that it would be a bit overkill that actually it would get to a point where everyone was analyzing everything everything but actually i think that if any series can withstand that it's going to be twin peaks because i think, I think be. that lynch purposefully puts things in there um Kind red herrings red herrings but red for herrings. the almost the discernible viewer mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm really interested to see how um it plays out really and, and that's you know what you've just kind of brought up is a prime example of actually mm. how there's a lot there to kind of be be um analyzed at length mm. um we have received an email have we yeah um i'll just read this actually because it's about twin peaks um it's from Stephen, and he says um I was 18 in 1990 and an avid reader of The Face, which what pretentious re- uh, teenage wasn't. Um, this, there was a big article about the upcoming TV show created by David Lynch. He, um, what would that be like? The pictures looking amazing, or with their 50s aesthetic that had been a mainstay of 80s culture and of particular interest to Smiths fans with that James Dean slash Rebel with a Cause vibe. Oh, yeah. And I watched it with my parents and little brothers and it was great. There'd never been anything on TV like this before and now it's back and there's never anything on... There's never been anything on TV like this before again. And I think that's so true. It's so true. You know, like there are so many, it's kind of when you think about, I know when we talked about Riverdale, one of the things I'd read about Riverdale in particular was that it was kind of like Twin Peaks for teens. Yeah. And I think Twin Peaks is one of those shows that gets kind of held up as having set the bar for Holy kind shit, of so much. very yeah. odd kind of surrealist TV and, and, you know, but with that kind of throwback to kind of soaps mm. and, and having a particular aesthetic. Mm. So it's kind of interesting to think that, yes, it is back. And yes, there's still nothing that can get held up against it as as you know being up there i don't think there's going to be anything else in tv this year let alone in the next few years that, no it's um, been so anticipated naturally what twin peaks is doing no. right now. and I, i'm and i like that mm-hmm. i think that's how it should be you know that we're in a culture of so much imitating everything else so it's kind of nice that david still lynch, doing something new yeah that david lynch can come back after 25 years and being like you know yes i'm here and i'm doing things my way and that's it you can't imitate Perfect. Thumbs up. Looking forward to the rest. To Cooper, thumbs up. So, um, this is my favourite part of the show because you always forget 
So. Have I forgotten, though? Oh. Plot spoiler. Have you forgotten? No. Oh, this is a turn up for the book. It's number four. I've finally remembered. Obsession of the week. I'm going to take you through a walking tour okay. of my obsessions <laughs> for the past three weeks. Go ahead. Go. You can go Week first. one mm-hmm. was Harry Styles on SNL. Had we mentioned it? No. Good. So this is just a quick, quick mention. Ams doesn't have to kill me. It's just a quick mention. Harry Styles on SNL was my, for the first week. My second week, I was thinking a lot about Keeper Sutherland. Okay. Because we'd watched Firewalk with me and it reminded me that I wanted to watch a load of other films. Um, And Lost Boys. And I'd also listened to a podcast about Lost Boys. So Kiefer Sutherland in his prime in the 1980s slash beginning of the 90s is like my absolute favourite Kiefer Sutherland. It's beautiful. Um, He's not aged well. No. Did you ever watch 24? No. Okay, don't ever do it No. This week... Um, there have been so many things. Okay, this week, obviously, Wonder Woman is up there. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Liam Gallagher. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I just did a ridiculous laugh. Um, go on. Um, it hadn't occurred to me that Liam Gallagher is quite sexy. <laughs> in a oh kind of... Yeah. Wow. He's in the school... Yeah. Of, so I said to you earlier about obsession of the week i was like aha uh-huh, i bet ours is probably the same um that's not what i was expecting so it's definitely no. not the same well do you know what i think i know what yours is so i was being nice and giving you the chance so one of two obsessions of the week um for me sorry we no we can't just put a pin and leave this just going back to liam gallagher yeah. i just do want to mention the fact that we were both relentlessly tweeting him for about an hour his the other twitter day. is just a breath of fresh air april I wish what I'd would you do if he'd liked one of our tweets? Cried. And I, I, I've only been a fan of Liam Gallagher for five minutes, but... I wish that he'd liked our tweets. I know. I thought we were being really funny. Asking him for a birthday like. Yeah, I, really funny. Well, Funny stuff, top notch. Top um, notch. Way funnier than the people just calling him, like, a dickhead or whatever. I, I don't know what... I mean, he I... responds to them. I personally wouldn't call Liam I even Gallagher. told him I fancied him more than Noel and he didn't I respond. did as well. I said, like... I know. I'd... Now, you know, you've gone up in my estimations. Um, I probably wouldn't call Liam Gallagher a dickhead, personally, on Twitter. No, I'd say, you? I'd snog you. I, I don't know. I did yeah, say I that. I, would, I think yeah. I did say that. Yeah, you did. Okay. That's mine. But I've got an answer. Isn't that pretty cool? I'm surprised. Yeah. Wow. But my other obsession of the week, I reckon, will be your <laughs> obsession of the week. Go on. What is it? Oh, it's Chris Pine. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I it would myself. be. <laughs> I wish everyone could see your face. I hate myself <laughs> so much. <laughs> I hate it. Everything Chris Pine is our obsession of the week. It's Chris Pine in a war context, but also maybe as as a bank robber in Texas. Yeah. With the Are there any other good Chris Pines? People should suggest Star I mean, I really enjoy the Star Trek films, but Thomas is I think the reason that my husband holds Christopher Pine in such admiration is because he plays James T. Kirk. I really enjoy the Star Trek Ones, but yeah, that's but... not a fantasy scenario for me. No, because Zachary Quinto as Spock is like the best thing to ever happen in the world ever. Yeah. Because I have so many feelings about Zach Quinto mm. that, like, what you can't, that's like putting, I don't know, I don't know, it's like putting something <laughs> so really nice next to something really not good. I don't know anymore. Um, yeah. 
I'm really hoping this Chris Pine thing passes. Because yeah, we'll see next time. Let's see what happens. But any other Chris Pine in particular scenario situations that we can fetishize in any way would be cool. So that's um, episode four done. Thanks for getting this far in. Um, it'll probably be five hours at this point. Yeah. So if you've listened to the end, that's a nice... Maybe we should do like a secret message that people can tweet us at the end. What, like win a chocolate bar? Yeah, um, that might be anything I'll stole from another podcast. So I'll stop talking. Um, <laughs> where you can find us online. So uh, Twitter, we're at thethirst, soundcloud.com forward slash thethirstpod. iTunes, you can search for us, thethirst. We're also on Stitcher as well, which I think is just stitcher.com forward slash thethirst. Um, but I can link to it on Twitter. Um, Instagram, we're at thethirstpod. And as mentioned... Most of them involve the thirst. Have you noticed a theme? And also, as mentioned, you can send us an email, which we like, um, with a thirstpod at gmail.com. Uh, bye. Goodbye. <laughs>